afternoon, America. How is everyone doing today on this Tuesday, June 14th, 2022? I would like to welcome you all to another edition of The Sea Report, coming to you live across the interwebs and the internets, ladies and gentlemen. And I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Cossidis, and it's great to be with you here on this Tuesday evening, wherever you are around America, wherever you are around the world, I hope that life is finding itself well for you all. And uh, what a day it has been and it shall be, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, today we are celebrating two things here over at the Sea Report. Uh, that would, of course, be one, Flag Day, right? And also, two, uh, the birthday of our dear president, Donald J. Trump, 45th president of these United States of America, and I dare say the uh, best president to ever have served his nation, his country, and his people. And uh, to that effect, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are uh, going to be dishing out a special President Trump birthday edition of the Sea Report today. Uh, we'll have a few surprises laying in wait for all of you all who are out there and who, who are looking forward to having a great celebratory time with myself and the rest of the audience and everyone out there who is watching the show. So, ladies and gentlemen, yes, another edition of the Sea Report has come today. And, uh, you know, this is the first time that we're actually doing uh, a birthday edition for the president. Now, you know, this is not something that we would do just for anybody. And uh, quite clearly, anyone who's watching this as an outsider looking in or as a leftist looking right, uh, they would just say, man, these people are so brainwashed. They are so cult of personality. They are just, uh, just, just totally adherent to their cult leader, right? Well, you know, that's why we don't use words like cult around the Sea Report, ladies and gentlemen, because before you know it, they're going to hamstring us and uh, wrap us down into something that, uh, you know, we really don't intend to be a part of. Uh, because after all, the beliefs uh, that we hold within ourselves, uh, the beliefs that are self-evident to uh, all of us here, um, have uh, nothing to do with uh, brainless, mindless following, uh, but everything to do with um, the actions and uh, the, the words of that which uh, speaks from our soul. 
And uh, just it so happens that uh, we have uh, been blessed to have a leader that reflects that which we value within ourselves and for ourselves and for our family and for our community and for our country and for our nation and for our race and for the people. And that is what we have been waiting for all this time, you know. We, we've been waiting for that sounding board to bounce off of, uh, you know, everything that we feel and everything that we know to be true within our hearts. And uh, when a good leader comes around that qualifies that and will volley with you uh, your beliefs, your values, your morals, traditions, and uh, what makes you proud about being an American... You cannot deny it, you know? So, you know, I think after uh, four great years, optically speaking, in office before the rest of this country and everything else that the man has done, I think that uh, President Trump deserves at least once for us here at the Sea Report to uh, to give him this special uh, birthday edition of the... Uh, show ladies and gentlemen that's what we're going to be doing today special birthday edition today's episode of the sea report by gosh and by golly is my present to president trump but uh let's not be mistaken though ladies and gentlemen you know i might have put the wrapping on the package but the present itself is being given to president trump by way of the people of this nation that's right. Those who are fighting to restore the Republic, those who are doing everything they can within their power to maintain some semblance of what this country should be at this point in time, uh, because they are the ones who are fighting for election integrity. They are the ones who are putting their necks on the line. They are the ones who are putting pen to paper. They are the ones who are putting their foot to the ground and moving forward. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, for President Trump's birthday today, we will present with to you all uh, a plethora of election integrity stories. But here's the twist. They are all going to be positive, good stories of victory and of virtue and of uh, vigilance, ladies and gentlemen, vigilance coupled with diligence and tenacity as the tide, it seems, is beginning to shift. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to win, ladies and gentlemen? Because uh, we're standing at that threshold. We're standing at that threshold. And it definitely seems that there has been some type of a shift. Something is going on in the subconscious, in the background, behind the curtain, that perhaps you can feel, perhaps you can feel something has changed in a dynamic way, ladies and gentlemen, where the lamestream, shamestream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda media would have us believe that life is nothing but static and that this nation is at a stagnant plateau. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they would have you believe that because they need you to believe that. In fact, they need you to believe that worse than the plateau, that things are tumbling downwards, spiraling out of control as they attempt to uh, hold President Trump captive in yet another witch hunt, which will hold no water in the end. Ladies and gentlemen, 
just uh, listen to the reports. Uh, listen to the random people on the street, okay? When asked about such proceedings as a shim-sham-flim-flam hearing to hold Donald Trump accountable for something that he had no part in creating, okay? So... With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm quite excited to get along and uh, move along with uh, President Trump's... Uh, hey, what is this? Catherine Engelbrick, what are you doing there? There we go. That's what I'm looking for. I'm quite excited to get moving along with today's C-Report. It's going to be a jam-packed report, like I said, with nothing but positive election integrity stories. We've got a lot of movement happening on the ground there right now in several states. Uh, and I would say uh, the reason for optimism... It is apparent and it is necessary, ladies and gentlemen, because, uh, well, let's just face it. Americans are doing it for themselves, ladies and gentlemen. We couldn't depend on our politicians. We couldn't depend on our, uh, our, our media uh, our representatives. We couldn't depend on any of that. And that is the way that it needed to be, ladies and gentlemen, uh, because as those who self-govern goes, well, if you self-govern... You got to do it yourself, ladies and gentlemen. You got to be involved. You got to be out there. You got to be putting your foot on the pedal. You got to be uh, working up against that millstone, grinding away as you might, as we might, as we all will, and as we all do. But yes, today is June 14th, President Trump's birthday, and I'm so happy to be able to uh, uh, celebrate that with uh, you all out in the audience. It's also Flag Day, of course. Now, talk about... A universal synchronicity. And I made a joke about this the other night on the Sea Report uh, when uh, I was talking about uh, I was talking about the prophecy, right? The sacred prophecy of the Republic Restorationist. He who shall awaken, assist, aw assist in awakening the people and hand the power back to them and uh, and paralyze the evil forces that would otherwise trample on our humanity and our liberty and our freedoms and every right that we have to pursue happiness, ladies and gentlemen, self-determination, self-governance, stripped away by these evil forces. Well, there was a prophecy foretold of a man who would be born on Flag Day, June 14th, right? Keeping in mind, June 14th, Flag Day was uh, established well before President Trump was ever thought of being born, right? Uh, President Trump was nothing but a pig in space. And I say that with no disrespect, because obviously my mama used to say uh, you were a pig in space before you were born, right? <laughs> Anyways, uh, President Trump was not even a thought on this world, unless you want to get into the entire time traveling thing with uh, Baron and uh, you know 1900 and all of that stuff, and and uh, and uh, Ingolstil Lockwood, I know I just totally totally uh, messed up that name there, Ingersoll. Lockwood, or is it Inglewood Lockersoul? I cannot remember. Don't ask me these hard questions, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to talk about time traveling today. We are here and now and in the present, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a celebratory present, I should say. Um, and, and I do hope that this uh, present of good news warms your hearts as it uh, is intended to and uh, restores the faith and hope that, uh, you know, the globalist deep staters and the legacy media would otherwise seek to strip 
from you, of course. Uh, was anyone in the house to hear, see the opening of today's show? Did anyone get to catch that? It was a special treat, one of many to come, ladies and gentlemen, uh, in regards to, uh, you know, uh, celebrating President Trump's birthday. Do you guys want to hear it one more time, right? Uh, or not? You know, I'm going to do it one more time. I actually have two versions of this, uh, but it's so short, and I'm pretty sure that uh, the listening audience will not mind. Just in case you weren't hanging out here as the show opened, uh, well, this is for President Trump, uh, the first of many. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Happy birthday to you. It's uh, surprisingly fitting, isn't it? <laughs> surprisingly fitting, isn't it? Well, happy birthday, President Trump. Uh, we are uh, most happy to be celebrating this day with you today on Flag Day, of course. And, you know, in case we have any viewers out there that don't know what Flag Day is, uh, it, it is the day that we established Old Glory as the official flag of this country. Uh, uh, June 14th, 1777 is the date that I got. And, of course, uh, Woodrow Wilson, I believe, is the president who established the date officially in the books uh, for the nation as a holiday or a celebratory day uh, to commemorate the anniversary of the Stars and Stripes. I call her Old Glory as the flag of our nation, ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, like I said, there was that prophecy. On Flag Day, there will be born a man of golden quaff and a slightly orange tan. And he shall restore the republic, and he shall return the power to the people, and the first words to come out of his mouth will be MAGA! <laughs> all right, guys, all right, guys, it's time to get into today's report. Uh, we will begin, of course, with um, uh, some statements from President Trump, as always. And uh, I thank you all for joining us. We are live over at thefoxhole.atpill.net, Twitch, Clout Hub, Trovo, and Rumble. Don't forget to follow us over at Rumble or Foxhole if you have the moment or the account and give us a thumbs up, ladies and gentlemen, so that we can get our content pushed out there. Hey, Casual Gigi, how are you doing today? Happy birthday, Mr. President Trump. Absolutely. Uh, Disco Ball Chaser, good to see you as well. Thank you for dropping the links in the chat room. And P. Thaggy is also joining us at the moment. Uh, there's the best dressed podcaster. Well, I appreciate the sentiments. Thank you so much, P. Thaggy. Uh, for the sentiments and uh, well you know we'll get some more of our brothers and sisters coming through the door in a minute as soon as they realize the type of festivities festivities that are happening over here at the sea report but also we are on a lot earlier than we have been for the last few episodes so uh well you know if i'm being absolutely honest you guys uh i had about four stories ish um, yesterday uh, that I was not able to get to. So if I'm being honest, well, you know, about half the report for today was already written. 
uh, because we hit our time limit uh, last night uh, because I, I've had to learn to limit myself on time. Otherwise, I will go on forever. And uh, well, you know, that just does not make for a, uh, a healthy and conducive sea report, right? <laughs> Uh, but, you know, uh, the stories, actually, I'm, I'm pretty glad I didn't actually have the time to share them last night because they fit so perfectly into today's show, in today's show of election integrity and today's show of, uh, of uh, the positive strides that we, the American people, are making in that regard. A lot of people will decry it. A lot of people will say, well, you know, uh, it's just, you know, our country uh, has rigged elections and our country, uh, um, there's no hope for it because after all, uh, they've been stealing our elections. They've been lying to us. It's been a, a terrible experience. And how could it come to this? But you know what? You know what? These things have always existed, you know? These things have always existed. If it wasn't stealing elections, it was, uh, you know, uh, cheating us out of our coin. It was, uh, it was uh, overtaxing us, overworking. These, these things have always existed. But the good thing about this, and I'm sure many Americans, many awake Americans have come to learn this, is that the entire process that we have been experiencing since President Trump has been in office, has not just been one of an awakening towards the things that happen behind closed doors and that certain people will do masquerading around as representatives and statesmen, but otherwise known as lying politicians. You know, the process has not just been an awakening us. The process has not just been in exposing them. The process has been about returning the power to the people. Now, what does that mean if President Trump says the power belongs to the people and I am returning it to you today? That means if we are empowered, then we are also learning how to act on that power, how to behave with that power, how to wield that power. And that absolutely means that we are learning once again, ladies and gentlemen, be it baby steps, be it, uh, you know, toddler crawls, we're getting there. We're learning to walk, we're learning to run, we're learning to swim again. And this all goes back to the notion that we are self-governed, ladies and gentlemen. And to be self-governed, we cannot relinquish our power to individuals whom we happen to trust or whom we believe we should trust. No, 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 no. You know, keeping tabs on elected officials, it should involve more than just keeping tabs on them. It should involve our actual duty being fulfilled through our involvement, through our engagement, through our participation in what has been known as the greatest experiment in humanity but will be known as the greatest triumph of humanity. Mark my words. So, we are restored power, we are restored engagement, and we must engage. We must engage. That is what this man set out to do when he was elected, duly so, as president of these United States of America. Unlike any other president in a manner of decades, and we all know the reason why. We all know the reason why he was unlike any other president in a manner of decades. We all know 
that every single president who sat behind that desk in the Oval Office was in fact a type of a Mancurian candidate, a type of a puppet, a type of an individual that was controlled quite easily and dutifully so by their handlers, whomever they may have been as represented by members of the deep state or the shadow government and their handlers above them as, uh, as recognized as globalists and elitists from around the world on international levels. You know, some people could argue that the job of President Trump to be the best president in the uh, recent history, I would say in the entire history, um, you know, President Trump absolutely sits right up there with the founding fathers because President Trump refound for us our will to power, ladies and gentlemen. He found for us the ability to stand up for ourselves again. He found for us the desire and the will to engage and to participate in this type of government. That is why we are where we are today. And that is why today, for President Trump's birthday, as a, pre as a gift both to he and to the audience, uh, we will be uh, reviewing um, election integrity stories that show the tenacity of the human spirit as represented by the American people and the diligence that pays off when we keep at it and we don't give up, we don't surrender, we don't relent, we don't quit. We stay strong in our resolve. We stay firm in our decision and in our beliefs, ladies and gentlemen. So, all right, I guess we got to get going with it, guys, because today's going to be a good episode. Okay, today's going to be a really good episode. I've got some fabulous stories for you all. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt that you will enjoy them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see, see, we got uh, Aurelius Locke in the house. What's going on, brother? Good to see you in the audience today. And uh, Tam Growl's chasing C, right? As long as you're not chasing the dragon, Tam Growl, we're good. Gonna write the book. <laughs> Gonna write that book, Chasing C. <laughs> you are so funny, Tam Growl. I just enjoy your humor so much. 123SKG, good evening, my friend. Uh, yes, we are learning that keeping our constitution is not a passive endeavor. Well said, 123SKG. It is not a passive endeavor at all. It is a very active endeavor that we must not become passive in. And, you know, it is, that is such a true statement. Tam Grell says, July 4th, 2020, our renewed Independence Day. I believe in tomorrow through acts of today. Indeed, Tam Grell, indeed. And tonight's Sea Report will be about the acts of today that will bear the fruit of liberty tomorrow. I have no doubt, ladies and gentlemen, I have no doubt. 123SKG, Tam Growl, thank you so much for gifting the cans. Uh, I, I do appreciate it. And 123SKG uh, also says, I agree, Mr. C. He is showing us how to fight by example. And that is the best kind of leader I have found in my experience. The best kind of leader is one who leads by example. Because they show those who look up to them. They show those whom they are teaching that they too will get themselves in the fire, that they too 
will get their elbows dirty, that they too will sacrifice when needed. And uh, I would dare say that President Trump has sacrificed a lot in the last five to six years, uh, more so than many of us have, you know, more so than many, many of us have. Railing on, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much. I don't even... I was about to say, I don't need to thank you for joining us, but you know, that sounds a little bit ungrateful. You know what I mean though, right? You know what I mean though. You know, I love you, bro. Thank you for being with us all the time. But thank you for the 117 gold pills. Airborne armor. How do y'all, <laughs> how are you doing airborne armor? Welcome to the C uh, report chat rooms. Good to see you. Good to see you and good to meet you as well. I don't think I've seen you in the chat room before. So uh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Always glad to have some new peeps following us and joining us. We're having a celebration today for President Trump's birthday. This is the uh, President Trump birthday edition of the Sea Report. And uh, my gift to Trump and to you all, positive and, um, well, good, good stories for election integrity. So let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. We've got a lot of ground to cover. And uh, I think you guys are in for a good ride for today. Let's get started with President Trump's statements. Okay, here we go. Yeah, we ain't doing any negative news today, guys. No negative news. We're going all positive on this episode. This is my gift to President Trump and to you all. All right. Uh, remember, says President Trump in his first truth, during the campaign, I would say with great conviction that if these people get into office, we will end up being Venezuela on steroids. Guess what? Another one of many Trump predictions that is true or turning out to be true. Trump was right about everything as the now well-known phrase or chant goes. Oh, I could hear it now. I could hear it now. Trump was right, actually, actually. Kimberly Guilfoyle, that was her mantra when I heard her speaking at the American Freedom Tour. Trump was right. And you know what? I think I kind of like the sound of that a whole lot more than someone else who apparently was always right. We don't need to spoil today's festivities by naming names. You guys know who I'm talking about. Trump was right ladies and gentlemen. So excellent statement, first statement there from President Trump. Let's see what we got next on the board. It goes this way. We are people, uh, wait, why are people getting away with that unemployment? Uh, why are people getting away with saying that unemployment is great? Only 3.5%. Millions of people that are unemployed but not looking for jobs make that number fake, like so much else in our failing country. There were 7 million more people working during the Trump administration than there are now. Stop saying that unemployment is low. Now, that is a truer statement than truth is, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, that's, uh, that's the scheme there. We all understand it, don't we? We all understand that uh, after a certain amount of time, um, those who are unemployed, uh, they get, uh, they get uh, shifted out of, the, um, out of the numbers, ladies and gentlemen. They get, they get shifted out of the percentages 
And uh, they are no longer considered as part of the unemployment or the employment-seeking class, right? Uh, and uh, yeah, it's like this huge tarp of individuals who are unemployed and who are either not seeking employment or could just never find it. And uh, that, is how they, uh, that is how they manipulate those numbers to uh, give us a fake percentage, right? With a fake sense of uh, uh, joviality and uh, uh, celebration. Um, and, and just, it's a totally fake move on the part of the establishment. You know, if we looked at the real numbers, like if we looked at real inflation, do you guys really think it's like at 7 or 8%? Ah! I'd say it's north of 10, 11, 12, 13% even in regards to uh, some of the things that we're saying here. I mean, they say that gas is probably going to go up a whole nother dollar before the end of the month or at least by the 4th of July. Uh, but yes, guys, we are going to stay focused on the positive news because um, I know it does hurt some people to even think about the current state of our uh, energy crisis. And it is a crisis, ladies and gentlemen. Um, um, rising prices are just the beginning and only symptomatic of what could come, you know? I'm not going to say of what will come, okay? I'm not going to say of what is going to happen because uh, that finality is a possibility only in the future. But if we are living in the present now, it's always a possibility that something could change it. Is that too optimistic? Well, today's episode is going to be just that, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, I used to be what you would call, or I used to call myself what you would say, the everlasting optimist. I, I mean, just because I don't use that phrase as often as I once did, uh, does not mean that I am not still that, but just as a way of a reminder, yeah, everlasting optimist. Okay, next statement from President Trump. The unselect are going against me because I am the only one who can fix our endangered country and they want to destroy it. People want to go back to where we were just two years ago. Again, that is another statement of agreement that I think even those on the left and even those of another party would consider uh, because uh, inflation affects everybody, ladies and gentlemen, not just a particular party. It's not like we have smart inflation, you know, uh, smart inflation that can figure out when uh, you're sitting at a table or when you're wearing a mask that doesn't work or smart inflation that can figure out when you vote Democrat or you vote Republican and it only affects the party that it wants to. No such thing, ladies and gentlemen, no such thing, you know, a, uh, a, a, um, a deflating balloon, okay, uh, pops for everybody, not just someone that's uh, your political opponent, okay? So that is where we are right there, and that is a true statement, I would have to say. I mean, just yesterday, President Trump was talking about uh, uh, the state of our economy unifying Main Street and Wall Street. What a, uh, what a, what a strange amalgamation that would be, wouldn't it? Uh, for those two parties to agree on something, if anything, the state of our economy, right? Now, uh, obviously, Wall Street is probably not complaining about the gas prices yet, but that day could come. And uh, indeed, where uh, we might be complaining about gas and groceries, they are complaining about their sinking portfo portfolios, right? And uh, their their loss of investment. So, 
it's affecting us all in some manner, but it is affecting us all pretty much the same way. With a lot of loss, a lot of depletion, and a lot of decrease. All right, next statement from President Trump says, The unselect committee refused to debate the election results. The reason for the massive crowd on January 6th, because they can't. And I'm pretty sure that's a statement we would all agree with as well, right, ladies and gentlemen? They have no argument, they have no case, they have no reason, they have no logic that could possibly refute the truth, the evidence that is just spilling out of the rafters right now in regard to election fraud and its exposure and the measures of integrity that Americans are currently taking, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Indeed. And, you know, that's the thing about this as well, you know, with this entire unselect committee. Um, do, you, do, do people really believe that there are those out there who are anti-Trump, who are uh, anti-Republican, and that could, that could follow, that's a big umbrella, right? Anti-Trump, anti-Republican, anti-conservative, anti-capitalist even, if we want to go that far. Do, we really, do people really believe that there are those who fit under that umbrella, who cannot see that the proceedings happening during this shim-sham, flim-flam hearing, ladies and gentlemen, actually is in direct violation of much due process, is completely one-sided, and has been entirely tailored to fit a narrative that just so happens to match the uh, subjective notions of the committee panel that is presenting the hearing. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot underestimate those who oppose our beliefs and those who would otherwise stand between uh, restoring this republic and also, uh, you know, what we believe in. We cannot, uh, we cannot underestimate them. We cannot underestimate them and assume that all of them, though a great vast majority of them, uh, because they're young and they're millennial and they're stupid, right? Uh, that, uh, that we cannot assume that a vast majority of them don't know what's going on. A lot of them can see what's happening. A lot of them who maybe just vote on party lines but don't really take it seriously, you know, who, uh, who are so consumed with their own life, wealth, money, career, and intellect that they don't have time for politics. Those ones can see the errors of the committee. As, as sure as we can see them, I'm sure. Now, will they speak up? Will they do something about it? Will they say something about it? Will that cause them to turn a leaf over? Mm, probably not. The uh, pressures of society and the pressures of social lives would probably keep them from saying anything or expressing their thoughts on the matter. But that's not what matters, okay? What matters is that though it might be quiet, though it might be hidden, though it might not be recognized by any of whom they socialize or participate in activities with, they see it. Ladies and gentlemen, they see it. This is round three, okay? And everyone who's anyone who reads or is engaged in any amount of um, uh, social, political, current events, news affairs, etc., and happen to uh, maybe maybe peer beyond the CNNs and the MSNBCs, 
And, and if you think about how limited and shrinking the audiences of the aforementioned um, media outlets are, uh, they're, they're getting their news on the internet too, just like we are. They just maybe aren't going to uh, such refined and curated sources as like uh, the Sea Report, for example, you know, uh, bringing to you as much truth as I possibly can uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Uh, trying to leave out to my own personal biases, but you know, well, I mean, the shoe fits, so we're good, right? We're good. So yeah, I mean, I would definitely believe that those people, though they may be, they may remain quiet, do see something amiss here, right? With uh, two impeachments that did not go the way of the Democrats, and you know, uh, led to um, acquittals, uh, and now this, and now this, uh, because let's face it, we're in uh, June of 2022, right? We're well over a year from the occurrence of January 6th. In fact, we're a year and a half away from it. And uh, the emotional and the sh shock and awe type of impact that uh, seeing a million Americans at the Capitol, okay, has lost its value, its emotional value, okay? Because uh, you saw a million Americans at the Capitol, but it was only like, ah, a few hundred, most of which being made up of Antifa, paid operatives, and uh, plainclothes informants, and, uh, and uh, uh, patriot-infiltrated agencies, okay? So yeah, it's lost its shock and awe value, okay? You know, because everyone knows on, uh, you know, uh, committee hearing number one, that fake, fake, fake actress. Well, no, she was an actress. She was just a really bad actress, but she was a fake and everyone could see right through her uh, testimony uh, of the worst memory. And, you know, why would you ask someone that question, I ask you? If you really felt sympathy and compassion for a victim, why would you ask them to share their worst memory of that day? The memory that kept them up at night, the memory that caused them PTSD and uh, several expensive um, 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 uh, psychologist bills or psychiatrist bills. Why would you ask them that question? Please, ma'am, may I, may, I, may I exploit your worst, most painful, most terrifying, most fear-inspired, gut-wrenching, tear-ridden memory of January 6th? That was Benny Thompson asking the question of that uh, fake, 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 fakely emotional uh, female police officer or whatever she was. And then it was Liz Cheney who fed her the line of what it was that she felt scared with. It was totally shim sham flim flam. Ladies and gentlemen, we know this, you know this, they know this, President Trump knows this. I'm pretty sure that Benny Thompson and uh, Liz Cheney knows this as well. Next statement from President Trump. Does anybody notice that the unselect committee refuses to discuss or debate in any way, shape or form the many irrefutable types of election fraud and irregularities found? in the 2020 election, this is cancel culture because they know that they have zero chance of winning that debate. So sad to see our country falling apart. Yeah, cancel culture in its final throes, ladies and gentlemen, is attempting to cancel the 2020 election fraud, right? And to hashtag me to it, with the big lie, ladies and gentlemen, is basically what's going on here. 
There were many irrefutable types of election fraud indeed, ladies and gentlemen, from counterfeit ballots to uh, markers that go through the paper to unlawfully printed ballots to uh, electronically uh, rigged machines to um, uh, people who stole ballots to people who harvested ballots to people who trafficked ballots to uh, um, uh, postal workers who did things with ballots to ballots crossing uh, county, state, and even uh, country lines. Uh, the, The amount of fraud is undeniable to ballots that were copied and, uh, you know, uh, uh, manufactured uh, to uh, how how much further do we want to go to missing electronic image ballots? Uh, What am I missing here? Like that's uh, that's like how many different types of fraud did I just list off right there? Like at least almost a dozen types of fraud that went into that's not even all of the fraud, right? That's not even all of the fraud. I told you guys when it comes to the 2020 election, they utilized so many different types of election fraud to dead voters voting, to people who don't live there voting, to uh, people who moved away voting, to uh, duplicate registrants voting, to uh, inflated voter rolls uh, assisting with the fake vote, to uh, ghost votes and disappearing votes, voters who voted. I mean, that's, these are all different types of election fraud. Do they fall under singular umbrellas that you can categorize the types of election fraud within, like harvesting, for example, and everything that falls under that, yes. But underneath that umbrella is like all these different types of harvesting fraud and all these different types of, you know, counterfeit fraud, you know, so different types of fraud, right? I think we're up to at least a dozen now, right? We're up to at least a dozen. And I know that you guys out there well, you guys know that there's a whole bunch of other types of fraud, you know, uh, that occurred uh, in, in this manner. So, uh, yeah, but uh, the unselect committee cannot address it. They cannot acknowledge it. They cannot even look it in the eyes, ladies and gentlemen, because the election fraud that is being swept up by the election integrity measures will see right through them whenever they stare it in the eyes. Here's our final statement from President Trump, ladies and gentlemen, for this evening. It says, word out that word is out that the reason the unselects have canceled Wednesday's kangaroo court is a total lack of interest leading to the very poor television ratings. Could this be so? Maybe they should try getting a more talented Hollywood director or producer than the former president of ABC Fake News. He uh, didn't do so well. I mean, there's plenty of pedo directors that they could have used that make multi-million billion dollar blockbuster movies. Why didn't they use one of them, right? You know, I mean, and then they would have had like, uh, they would have had like a dessert cart to eat off of with this, uh, these directors from Hollywood and their uh, particular taste, right, in uh, desserts. We'll call them desserts, right? The pizza pie pedo directors, right? Anyways. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Those are our statements from the president, President Donald J. Trump, on this, his birthday. And, uh, ooh, that tells me something here, guys. That tells me something here. We're about to get into some election integrity matters. Uh, But before we do, though, however, uh, I I would like to once again just 
say happy birthday to President Trump. This is my birthday on June 14th, Flag Day. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. I have no idea who Reed Cooper is, okay? But he's the one who made that. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I'm not going to get tired of doing that today, just so you know. Okay, so you guys are blowing up the chat. What is going on over here, guys? What is going on? Let's see what, let's see what is up. Uh, Airborne Armor says, working harder than when I was working for pay. Ooh, man, I feel you there. So much for retirement. And that's the thing, you know, uh, people, uh, that's another way that uh, Main Street's going to feel it. They're going to lose their pensions. They're going to lose their 401ks. They're going to lose their retirement. And then they're going to have to work longer than they thought that they would have to. Tam Grell says, retirement leads to never-ending projects, Airborne. So get political. You know, I wish everyone had that same type of idea, Tam Growl, because I know some people in my life that if they retire, they are ready to submit themselves to the grave, right? I'm like, get a hobby, you know, like do something that gives you some meaning that doesn't require you slaving over for, uh, you know, uh, slave labor wages and something that makes you happy and that makes you feel fulfilled and something that you always wanted to do maybe, but no one listens to me, Tam Growl. I'm going to have to have them talk to you. I mean, I'm going to have to have you talk to them. Excuse me. Uh, let's see here. Hey, creative writer, what's going on? Thank you for gifting the can. Thank you so much for that. Much appreciated. Good to see you in the audience. Patriot 1776 is also in the house. Howdy, howdy, Patriot. Good to have you with us. Uh, Tam Garral says, I read that they are canceling tomorrow's J6 hearing. Anyone else? Well, I guess President Trump just confirmed that for you. So that's great. Uh, creative writer says, yes, it is postponed. And uh, Dpatriot1776 says, I heard that too. DC and every other city will be on fire. Ooh, hopefully that's not the reason why they're canceling it, right? Because they're going to start the summer of love. Is that what's up? Because, uh, man, I could see that happening as well, right? Uh, they're like, they're like, the shim sham flim flam hearing doesn't work. Call Antifa, right? That's what they're going to do. Call the BLM. Call, actually, it's not even going to be Antifa or the BLM anymore because, you know, they're, they all got stiffed from payments. And so they don't even want to, you know, they don't even want to go out and do it anymore. They're too lazy, right? They got real lazy over the last year and a half to two years, getting free government money and getting high every day and getting drunk every day. So now they're like, screw that. Just give us more free government money. We didn't have to even go out and riot and burn down the city. And we got like all this money. And here we had to go out and riot and be in the streets just to make a living. Yeah, well, it seems that uh, the left and all the COVIDites have uh, stuck it to themselves again with that one, I would say. No, 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 no. It's going to be the uh, it's going to be the um, the unregistered and the uh, un undocumented Afghanistani refugee terrorists 
that will be in the streets, right? And they'll be the BLM, okay? And then uh, we'll have the uh, the Ukrainian Nazi refugees, right? They'll be the Antifers, okay? And that is who we're going to see in the street. So, you know, if any of you guys happen to come across an Antifer or a BLMer in the next few weeks, and you know, I pray you don't, uh, make sure you look for the Nazi tattoos on the t- Antifers and uh, make sure you look for, I don't know, the uh, the hijabs or something like that. No, wait. <laughs> Male terrorists don't wear hijabs. Anyways, look for something on them that would uh, sign- signify that they are, you know, uh, Afghanistan terrorist refugees. Okay, because that's that's who they have to, you know, play that part now, since uh, after all, uh, Antifa and BLM, uh, they all got lazy, bored and fat over the last year and a half and uh, and and high as hell. All right. Uh, Let's see here. What else is going on? SCOTUS decisions may pop tomorrow. So we'll see if that is why the Hill Circus was delayed. That is another good good, uh, hypothesis slash theory there. Creative writer, again, in order to keep the people of the left leaning and progressive types uh, from paying any attention to the election proceedings, the Durham proceedings, but I would say more specifically the election integrity proceedings. Um, and, and apparently what seems to be coming down the pipeline with uh, Biden and his uh, ill-begotten son, they, they got to got, they got to get, uh, you know, their, their, their baby, their baby killing rights, you know, on the line just to get them active and mobile. Uh, they've got to threaten them, Right. They've got to threaten them with, uh, with any means possible just to get them on the street and active. So yeah, SCOTUS, I think that would be a pretty good assessment. And they're like, well, we can't be in the Capitol uh, having this shim-sham flim-flam hearing because after all, uh, SCOTUS is popping off tomorrow and that means uh, you know all of the uh, operatives are going to be popping off too. Okay, they will never give in. Villains don't go down until they are dead or incarcerated. Well, you know, it is important to recognize that, Tam Growl, but give it no credence, right? Give it no credence, give it no clear water either, okay? Because after all, uh, in the end, God wins. In the end, good wins. In the end, justice prevails, okay? Uh, we are merely instruments of that, though we do not invoke that. Uh, but that is why we are here, right? Um, the excuse is extra time needed for organizing video testimony, but that ain't it. Poor viewership could be another factor, says creative writer in regards to the shim sham flim flam hearings. Indeed, and you know, then you would have to ask yourself, um, if you need more time to um, edit and organize your video, first of all, how long have you been working on this shim sham flim flam hearing, right? And, and now, when you already have your hearing scheduled, you're working on your next hearing? Now that, to me, seems like uh, not only the Antifers and the BLMers got lazy during the summer, uh, or during the last year and a half to two years, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, you know, uh, they had all this time to get their, uh, their edited and doctored videos put together. I guess they did not utilize their time as well as they could have. Priorities, my left-leaning Democrats, priorities, okay? Uh, But I would say, you know, 
I mean, I guess when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, right, uh, in order to um, uh, share the truth of your matter, and then you uh, you have to, like, edit and wheedle that down to, like, you know, microseconds and just mere minutes, half minutes per per clip, right? And, and, and then just, like, uh, splice that all together into some uh, doctored and totally um, subjective type of uh, display. It, it could take some time, you know? They're like, damn it, there's not enough good footage in here. They're gonna have to start creating their own footage eventually. Anyhow, uh, let's see uh, what else we got going on here. Yes, uh, dpatriot1776, we did cover the DHS warning about domestic violence. You should have been there for that one. I thought you were. You should have been there for that one. It was quite funny indeed, right? Uh, talking about what? Um, racist and uh, um, ethic, ethnic reasons for causing people to get violent. I mean, the only one who fit that description was Nick Fuentes, right? Anyways, okay. So uh, at least as far as the far right go and being violent, etc. The Patriot 1776, thank you so much for the cookie. Many thanks. Today is Flag Day. Happy Flag Day. And again, happy birthday to President Trump as well. The universe could not have timed that any better, I would say myself. Um, and I do say so myself. I do say so myself. Hey, it is Judy, the lady pug, shepherding shepherd and sees the day 9-11. What is up, y'all? Coming in like a, coming in like a, like the cool kids, right? The cool kids arrived here in the chat room. Oh, it's good to see you guys. I'm glad you're here with us. Welcome to the um, uh, President Trump birthday edition of the Sea Report. Uh, just in case you weren't here before, but you are here now. Well, uh, today's episode is a gift to you all and to the president. And we'll be, we will be presenting positive election integrity and election fraud stories for you as we see the American people begin to rally behind the cause and acknowledging the facts that there are indeed many pieces of evidence and there are indeed many circumstances that have been discovered in which our elections were stolen in the year 2020. Again, not to say that they haven't been stolen in the past, but in such an obnoxious and obvious way, uh, so as to be insulting. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about our first story of victory. Uh, it's a stride forward. Um, in the case of Arizona and the election fraud investigations into ballot trafficking, and ballot harvesting that have been taking place in Yuma County, Arizona, we finally got some details about how this investigation is going, what is happening, uh, who is involved, and what they're looking at, ladies and gentlemen, because as you may know from previous reports here that we shared with you on the C-Report, uh, not a whole lot of detail was known. We knew that, yes, an investigation was occurring in Yuma County. We know that, yes, arrests were made. But incidentally, the arrests made were made uh, one prior to and one just after the sheriff's county received the information from True the Vote and the Arizona Senate. Okay, So the uh, arrests were not purely from the 2000 Mules ballot trafficking investigation, nor the Arizona Maricopa County forensic audit, because we had um, we had uh, um, we had uh, individuals in Yuma County, Arizona, who had been tracking these ballot traffickers, who had been watching, surveilling, taking notes, and they, in fact, were the ones who brought this to the attention of the AG, 
sleeping, hibernating bear, Bernabich, over there in Arizona, as well as um, um, Catherine Engelbricht and Greg Phillips of True the Vote. They also shared with them that information. And I think it was upon that um, union between the whistleblower and the investigator in Yuma County and the investigatory team of True the Vote uh, that we saw a fruition occur, okay, and movement happen in regards to the election fraud, the crimes that were taking place in Arizona, Yuma County. So let's take a look at the story I have for you guys on this one. Um, this is coming to us from the Epoch Times exclusive, Arizona election worker details voter fraud investigation. Let's check it out, guys. It says, uh, in an exclusive interview given to the Epoch Times, the recorder at the Yuma County Sheriff's Office offered more insights into the risks of fraudulent registration forms leading up to the 2022 primary election and the efforts she and her team are working on to improve the process. Our primary is August 2nd. We have received registration forms that are fraudulently completed. Yuma County Recorder Robin Stallworth Paquette, who provides oversight into the county's voter registration and early voting, told the Epoch Times in an interview on June 7th. It's been a prevalent problem in Yuma County, and it's very unfortunate. Paquette's allegations come in addition to other witness reports and allegations of voting fraud that are the subject of 16 open investigations at the sheriff's office. The observed pattern of fraudulent voter registration forms, according to a May 11th statement made by the sheriff's office, includes alleged impersonation fraud, false registrations, duplicate voting, and fraudulent use of absentee ballots. While Paquette could not provide any names because the investigation is ongoing, she confirms to the Epoch Times that many of the anomalous cases pertain to nonprofits operating on a national scale, which she believes to be political advocacy groups. We are extremely encouraged that the Yuma County Sheriff's Office and Recorder's Office are now working together to investigate individuals involved in the subversion of elections, Catherine Engelbrecht, founder of Election Integrity Group, True the Vote, told the Epoch Times in a statement in May. We've spent concentrated time in Yuma County and have provided significant information to both state and federal authorities. What has been happening in Yuma County is happening across the country. The targeting of vulnerable communities and voter abuse must be stopped. It is very difficult to identify who is submitting these fraudulent forms, but I am aware of active activities of third-party groups, and I shared the information with the sheriff's office, Paquette said, of what she has witnessed. And don't forget, guys, that um, one story from True the Votes hearing in regards to Yuma County and the way the ballot trafficking occurs over there is very sad. It's very sad. It is, it is as though the um, mules of Yuma County are treated in this regard of trafficking ballots, much like you might expect a drug mule to be treated. You know, they are forced to do it. These events happen under duress. 
and under threat of their livelihood by whomever it is that is trafficking the ballots. Now, that as a whole remains to be seen and revealed, but trust and believe, ladies and gentlemen, there are individuals, entities, and powers that are working on that as we speak. Okay, let's finish up with this article. It says, unusual signs. Uh, Paquette said that while third-party organizations who solicit voter registrations serve an important role in assisting voters, they are also a point of vulnerability in the election process if the ballots they help voters submit are fraudulent due to the intentional or unintentional misrepresentation of a voter's wishes. I believe it's a vulnerability of the system in the sense that fraudulent voter registrations can disrupt the legitimate activity, active registration of an eligible voter, Paquette said. It is a very disruptive process for the office when we should be focused on audits and making sure that we're auditing our records prior to the distribution of ballots. I am very passionate, Paquette went on, about it because there is no regulation that precludes voter registration activities by third-party groups. I feel that voter registration solicitors should be held accountable to higher standards. After these third-party organizations drop the voter registration forms they've collected at the recorder's office, Paquette and her team would run them through a statewide database to cross-check the identifying information on each form to the voter. However, Paquette said she's noticed unusual signs with some of the forms she's received. Paquette says, I could immediately see that there were individual names in those forms that were people that I knew were already registered, but they were utilizing real people's names with fake addresses and fake dates of birth, she said. One of them was our pediatrician. One of them was a local attorney who I had been an acquaintance of and has passed away for some time, and one was a minor that I believe was around the age of 14. So it just became very clear that there was a problem. And then we're getting five, six registration forms for the same person. As you can imagine, that's where we feel that there's an intentional effort to disrupt the system and identify vulnerabilities, Paquette added. Paquette said they've noticed over 100 such anomalies in the registration process leading up to the 2022 primaries and have sent letters to each of the addresses indicated on the registration forms as required by law. I simply find it unfortunate that it is a requirement because we know that we're sending them to people that we have a strong belief to be non-existent, she said. We should be working on credible, real registrations that have in our county, that we have in our county, as opposed to spending any time or resources, which is actually significant time and resources on this type of activity. A new law proposed, the article continues. Paquette added that after she noticed a pattern of fraudulent registration in 2016, she and her team began to work with the Arizona legislature to develop new laws to define parameters for regulation of voter registration solicitation. However, she said the efforts have been largely unsuccessful. 
She and her team, through the Flynn Brown Fellowship, put together provisions that Arizona Senate Republicans included in a bill introduced in February 2022, SB 1629, which would hold third-party registration solicitors accountable. The bill required that third-party registration solicitors turn in the forms within five days so that there's a time frame on accountability and any fraudulent form may be subjected to a Class 6 felony, Paquette said. And as you can imagine, it was very controversial. The bill also requires anyone collecting more than 25 voter registration forms to identify themselves with the Secretary of State's office so that the recorder's office would have the ability to contact them for any issues with the form they turned in. The bill failed in its third meeting in March and is set to be reconsidered for another reading in the Senate. We don't want to diminish the work that third-party groups do to solicit voter registration, I believe that there is important and that that's important and we should have groups that are able to do that. I just simply feel that we should place accountability measures for that, professionalize the process to provide that trust to the community. I simply felt that it was a step in the right direction for accountability, said uh, she said of the bill. And I do believe that, again, the work, uh, the work that's put in to make every single effort to not allow these fraudulent registrations to turn into ballots is complicated and time-consuming. Very, very straining on resources, she added. And these are the staff and election officials that should diligently be working on administering a secure election and not dealing with a criminal activity like that. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, a few bad actors. Let's see what this is all about. Paquette hoped to clarify that not all third-party groups that registered voters are disruptive to the election process. Paquette said, so even a few bad actors, as you can imagine, contribute such a negative light on the process overall, which affects my office and the public trust in the electoral process. The other third-party groups that are making significant efforts to engage with voters and assist in, you know, the democratic process. I always tell people they should be very proud to vote in Arizona, regardless of the negative swirling around elections, because we work really hard. So I invite people in to see the process and hear, uh, and from, and hear from the ground, their ground floor to really understand what we do to verify and other uh, and over verify and verify third time and audit those are just regular practices happening on a daily basis during the cycle here paquette said i just really feel that that gets overlooked you know how bold election officials are how brave they are and uh doing this kind of work every single day despite the critical response yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want all that glory, right? It's understandable, though, you know. I mean, but clearly, clearly, they want some recognition. And I'm sure it's deserved, right, in some instances. But in some instances, they're probably just going along to get along with the establishment. As, uh, you know, county recorders go, etc. Mm-hmm.
indeed. All right, so that was a little bit of a peer into the uh, Arizona investigation, ladies and gentlemen, uh, into Yuma County. So rest assured, we have good word that um, things are moving forward in that regard. Things are moving forward indeed. I know you guys want Maricopa, but just sit tight. Maricopa will come around, I assure you. All right. Now on to our next bit of great news in the field of election integrity. Otero County, whom once held a, a forensic audit of their um, machines and ballots, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, had a hearing at the commissioner's office, um, who, through the process of that hearing, um, provided for the commission uh, information that led them to a decision and that decision, ladies and gentlemen, was to not certify the 2020 primary election of this year, ladies and gentlemen. Now, keeping in mind that uh, Otero County, uh, they've already gone through their elections, okay? They've already gone through their elections, and they are right about to get to that certification process. And due to the work of the New Mexico Audit Force, led by Professor David Clements and his wife, Erin Clements, um, they have bust election fraud wide open in the state of New Mexico. A state that we did not even see coming. I know I didn't. Um, but, but again, neither did the likes of the Secretary of Snakes, Maggie Toulouse uh, Oliver who um, may find to her chagrin that uh, Otero County is not the only county in the state of New Mexico that is auditing their 2020 election results. But uh, just, uh, just uh, the other day, just the other week, you know, I think we're about a week from, um, the Otero County Commissioner's Office voted unanimously to remove Dominion voting machines indeed any electronic voting machines from their elections process, as well as to remove uh, ballot drop boxes and uh, absentee ballots. Uh, you know, now that says something, guys, about Otero County. A lot of people are following their lead. A lot of people are becoming inspired by the actions of this meek and humble small group of election integrity workers. But look, ladies and gentlemen, they literally moved a mountain. They literally moved a mountain, ladies and gentlemen, when we're talking about the findings in Otero County. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, in the next topic on this discussion uh, about some of those mountains that are being moved. But let, let's, just, let's talk about the Otero County Commissioner's Office deciding not to certify the 2022 primary elections. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because of all the discrepancies, and we shared a few of those with you in the last few reports, you know, such as the discovery that the Secretary of Snakes, Maggie Toulouse Oliver, is running uh, unknown and un, uh, unauthorized software data on her voting machines and in her election management system. And that indeed, um, several number of the counties are not to be utilizing that same type of software. And yet, when they run their reports, five five for shame. What do they find? They find this unauthorized software 
running in their election management system. Uh, let's take a moment and listen to a few words from uh, Professor David Clements. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, he is uh, the uh, individual, the man, the professor, the American hero who led the Otero County um, uh, hearing or presentation into their election findings um, earlier last month. But a fun fact that many people may not realize about uh, Professor David Clements, one indeed uh, that was very welcoming is the fact that uh, David Clements is also the man who worked with William Bailey and Matthew DiPerno in Michigan in Antrim County. And there in Antrim County, he actually got his hands on a Dominion voting machine and he was able to pick it apart and audit it and discover where it hurts, ladies and gentlemen, where it hurts election integrity. And it just so happens that uh, Otero County, New Mexico, utilizes the exact same make and model of Dominion voting machine for their elections. So to speak on one is to speak for both in this case. Uh, but this clip here is uh, Professor David Clements uh, relaying the information about Otero County Commissioner commissioners withholding the certification from the 2022 primary election in New Mexico. Let us take a gander. All right, testing one, two, three. This is going to be a really quick stream. I'm just going to try to get it uploaded so people can start talking. Breaking news, Otero County Commission refused to certify the primary election results of the election that we had last week. And um, this is big news because it's it's got everyone talking. Can they do that? Yes, they can. So what is the basis for withholding certification? One of the things that we advised last week um, leading up to the vote where we're going to get rid of Dominion in Otero County, that we're going to get rid of the Zuckerberg drop boxes, was uh, quite simple. That under New Mexico law, under our election code, the EAC, the Election Assistant Commission guidelines, which are normally voluntary, when you codify them, um, you have to follow them. When you codify them, it's mandatory. And in our language, it requires that we have to abide by the most recent standards. And we're not in compliance with the most recent standards. In fact, we haven't been in compliance for over a year. So um, the, our law tells or advises that the Secretary of State must decertify the voting systems as a matter of law. And she's ignored that requirement. So what she's done is she's foisted an illegal system on all of our county commissioners and county clerks saying that they can use them when in fact the law says they, they can't. So um, that's where we're at. Um, we're going to Lincoln County. We're going to ask them to do the same thing tomorrow. We know that Torrance County uh, tabled discussion over, dis over certifying their results till Friday. So there's a good chance that they could withhold it. We'll see what happens there. Sandoval County is also deliberating withholding certification in their county. So many, many dominoes have the potential to fall. And, and the best analogy that I can provide for you all to understand this is that 
you know, this is a new thing that we're dealing with election systems. Um, but most people are familiar with a different system and that's, um, the prevalence of drunk driving. And before I lose you, when people get pulled over for driving under the influence, if they fail their field sobriety test, they will usually be introduced to a machine known as the intoxilizer. And that machine, in order for you to, to actually get the results from that machine and have it admissible in a court of law, certain things have to happen. Like it's got to be certified. It's got to be up to date. It's got to be calibrated. There's got to be sufficient uh, record checks. And uh, if you don't have those things, it's unlawful to introduce that. Even if a judge wanted to introduce those results that are printed out on the tape, uh, that's reverse. That's reversible error. It's illegal. Um, so it's the same logic here that we have results that are being produced by these voting systems that are not in compliance with the law. So uh, that's that's the latest. I'm just going to get this out there, and I'm going to hit the road and start talking with some folks in Lincoln County tomorrow. But uh, this is an argument that everyone in the country, if you have an election handbook that has codified the EAC guidelines and, and you've been instructed that you have to follow them, you should be challenging these primary results in every single county. So with that, God bless. Have a good one. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, I cannot begin to tell you how awesome what we just witnessed is. And can I tell you why, ladies and gentlemen? Okay. So there, there, were two, there were two main themes to this message, this simple message that um, uh, uh, Professor Clements just gave to us, ladies and gentlemen. And that message, ladies and gentlemen, was that one, Otero County has chosen not to certify because it is the commissioner's say, it is their vote, it is their, at their discretion whether or not they uh, certify these elections, okay? They have chosen not to certify it for lack of confidence in the voting machines as a big part, okay? But therein lies the second theme uh, that um, we want to explore uh, in regards to what Professor Clements was talking about. Now, uh, maybe some of you all recall, uh, there was a time <laughs> when, uh, I was, uh, speaking with you all about the, um, EAC, the Elections Assistance Commission, okay, and, uh, how they did not certify the election machines for the 2020 election. Indeed, we covered some stories about how um, none of the machines were certified. Do you guys recall that story? Do y'all remember that story? Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks to David Clements and this article, this, uh, this, um, this expose, this exposure, this is what it is, okay? He has put the entire theory of election nullification due to lack of certification 
on the table and put it into a practical application. In other words, we see a real life example of how and why, at least in New Mexico, the elections should be nullified, not even decertified, but nullified. Because again, the election machines were not certified, okay? That was the easiest way to take back our elections, ladies and gentlemen. The easiest way to take back our elections post-theft, without even having to go through the audits, without even having to go through the canvassing, without even having to go through the ballot trafficking and the mules discovery, none of that. Isn't that crazy, guys? Well, they've discovered this in, uh, they've discovered this in Otero County, okay? And um, Professor Clements is actually spelling it out for us. Okay, whoa! Sorry about that, guys. Did not mean to get that swamp creature right up in your face. Uh, but this is Maggie Toulouse Oliver, okay? Now, when I first started my foray into the Secretaries of Snakes pit, right? We're talking Jocelyn Benson. We're talking Katie Hobbs. We're talking uh, Jenna Griswold. We're talking Bradford Raffensperger. We're talking Veronica de Graffenried. We're talking uh, Kathy Bookvar. You know, I never had Maggie Toulouse Oliver's name on my plate. And now this woman, because of the investigations by the New Mexico Audit Force, might very well bring down her state, ladies and gentlemen. Might very well bring down her state. Now, we talked about how the EAC had not certified any of the voting systems uh, testing labs to certify the voting machines. And if you guys recall, the voting machines had had uh, their um, certification had expired back in 2017. And it was not until February of 2021 that uh, the EAC got their gear, their act in gear and they certified the elections. And I guess retroactively, that means that uh, 2018 midterms and the 2020 elections were um, lawful. But if you follow state and federal law, right, and that is the laws provided by the HAVA Act, you have to have properly accredited VSTLs in order to certify machines. Without that accreditation and without that certification, every single ballot cast is uncertifiable and every single election campaign or contest won is unlawful. Okay, so now we're seeing it in real life. Now we're seeing it play out in New Mexico. And we have to hold on to this, guys. We have to understand it. We have to understand what this means, okay? Because if you take the ballot trafficking and you take the uh, CISA report that verifies the vulnerability of the Dominion voting machines, and you take the data that has been recovered from Georgia, from uh, Voter GA, from uh, Tina Peters in Colorado, from, uh, from, uh, from Professor Clements himself working in Antrim County with Matthew DiPerno, then you have two of three prongs, okay? But then if you couple those two things 
along with the lack of certification, ladies and gentlemen, it becomes more plain than clear that not only can we decertify, nay, nullify the 2020 elections for the states in question, but for every single state in this union. So we have to understand it, guys. We cannot just pass it off as, you know, vapid and, uh, and meaningless and empty information that is coming across to us, across our computer screens and across our telephone screens and into our ears through our earbuds. We cannot pass this type of information off. Now, individuals like the Clements, individuals like True the Vote are depending on us. Remember, guys, we were handed back our power. Okay, we were enabled to self-govern again, which means that we have to participate. Okay, which means doing more than just listening and watching, but actively engaging and participating in the discussion. And that can mean a lot of things for many of us guys. It doesn't mean that we have to uh, we have to go on a hunger strike or march across America until everyone realizes that the EAC did not accredit the VSTLs to certify the machines, nullifying the entire election. We don't got to go that far. But bring it to the table, ladies and gentlemen. Make it a part of your conversation. Become a participant in the self-governing experiment of these United States of America. This is our moment. This is our time to show them that we give a damn. And not that we didn't give a damn, but that, you know, our mouth ain't just gonna be talking and our legs ain't just gonna be walking, but we will be actively, actively spreading, sharing, and engaging on this discourse, okay? And I'm saying discourse, I'm saying conversation. I'm not telling you to run for office, you know? So now that we're seeing this very factor come into real life, okay? Because uh, Professor Clements said it himself. He said, because of the fact that these machines were not certified by an accredited uh, voting, vote testing uh, laboratory, uh, which is a major, a major fail by the uh, Election Assistance Commission, okay? Um, they were, they were, uh, in a sense, endangering and forcing their commissioners to honor something that was unlawful, which is wrong. Okay. Now, um, Tory says, and the gateway pundit are the two, um, um, out outlets that broke these stories. Tory says a year before the gateway pundit. Okay. Um, and they're the only two outlets that have actually, um, talked about and, and shared this information about the Ele elections assistance commission. Okay. And about the lack of accreditation and the nullification that is lawfully due to this previous election. Uh, so we, we, we read the articles, right? And you guys heard me yell about it, you know, a time or two or three here because I was frustrated. Uh, but now we have verification, ladies and gentlemen, and it's all thanks to Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, okay? Because in a letter to Dominion Voting Systems, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver incidentally verifies that the voting machines were not certified by an accredited uh, VSTL, and that the EAC had not 
accredited any of these testing laboratories that uh, um, uh, certified these voting machines in 2020 and incidentally in 2018 as well, okay? Incidentally, in 2018 as well, let's take a look at her folly, ladies and gentlemen. Let's take a look at her folly. Uh, here is that letter from Maggie Toulouse Oliver to Dominion Voting Systems. Uh, it says here, uh, re-recertification of voting systems. Uh, this is dated uh, May 28th, 2021. It says, pursuant to section 1-9-7.4A, NMSA 1978, the Secretary of State is required to review for recertification each voting system in use in the state in the year following a presidential election. All certified voting systems are required to be tested by an independent authority and comply with all requirements in the election code and the most recent voluntary voting system guidelines adopted by the United States Election Assistance Commission. While the um, VVSG, the Voluntary Voter System Guidelines uh, 2.0 was adopted by the EAC in February 2021, the EAC has yet, has not yet certified any independent voting system testing laboratory, a VSTL, to test and certify voting systems to these standards. Okay, do you guys, that's it right there. There's the admittance, there's the verification, there's the corroboration, there's whatever you want to call it, the confirmation that from a secretary of state whose duty is to review for recertification the work that the EAC and the VSTLs are doing, which means she was, uh, she defaulted in her duty, okay? She was derelict. She allowed uh, these unaccredited voting system testing laboratories to certify machines when she knew that they had no accreditation. I would qualify that as knowingly, knowingly accepting a uh, uh, accepting an uncertified, uh, which basically means an unlawful, an illegal, an illegal authorization by an illegal voting systems testing laboratory because it was not accredited by the EAC during the time of the 2018 and the 2020 elections. Okay, the EAC adopted it in February of 2021 and they had still not certified them, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the letter goes on to say, after these are adopted, the VSTLs will be required to earn accreditation with the EAC to test voting systems to the new VVSG, the Voluntary Voting System Guidelines. 2.0 standards. Since this effort is likely to take some time, we plan to review our current voting systems based on uh, the previously adopted standards. Once the EAC has testing and certification procedures in place for VVSG 2.0, we will initiate a new voting system certi certification initiative. Do you guys catch that, right? That means that as of May 28th, 2021, the machines had still not been certified. Now, as memory recalls, the EAC gave accreditation to the voting systems in February of 2021, okay? That is when um, 
the Gateway Pundit published an article, and lo and behold, the very next day, the voting systems were accredited. The voting systems you might recognize as ProVNV and I think SLI Compliance, if I'm not mistaken, are the names of the two, the sole and only two voting systems that are um, authorized by the federal government to act as uh, certification laboratories. Okay, so the um, the VSTLs were accredited in February of 2021, but as of May 2021, the machines had not been tested and certified. Okay, so the plot thickens, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's see, it goes on to say here, According to the election code, a voting system includes the equipment and peripherals used for casting and counting votes, as well as the equipment and peripherals used for printing or marking ballots. The full legal definition of voting system can be found in section 1-9-1B and MSA 1978. To begin the testing and certification process required for recertification, we request that you submit the following information to our office no later than June 14th, 2021. So we're pushing the date back even further, ladies and gentlemen. The voting system and version that is being submitted for recertification, a description of any modification to a hardware or software component or configuration of the voting system since the last time the system was certified for use in New Mexico, if applicable. A description of how the system meets all of the applicable voting system requirements included in the New Mexico election code. And let's move this baby over. And it says a copy of the most recent VSTL report and proof of compliance on the system eligible for recertification. The report provided must come from an EAC accredited test laboratory. Description of your transition plan to become certified to a uh, voluntary voting uh, service uh, uh, G <laughs> guideline 2.0 if applicable. If you intend to have multiple system models or firmware versions recertified, please submit a separate application for each system. Enclosed for your convenience is a copy of the requirements for voting systems outlined in Article 9 of the Election Code. Upon the completion of an examination of all recertification materials, the Secretary of State may require additional information, testing, or inspection as deemed necessary to comply with the recertification requirements in statute. After the SOS has completed a full review of all required information, the SOS shall make a written report and post the report and recertification materials on the Secretary of State's website for a mandatory 21-day public comment period. Following the period of public comment, the Secretary of State shall submit the reports and any public comments to the Voting System Certification Committee for their consideration and to make a recommendation to the Secretary of State for recertification of the voting systems. So there you have it. That is the uh, letter in question, ladies and gentlemen, that ultimately serves as confirmation from someone on the other side that their machines were not certified and therefore the 2020 election should be nullified, ladies and gentlemen, post haste. All right. So hang on to that nugget, that knowledge of information, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to need it moving forward, guys, because that is yet another piece of ammunition that we will be using to topple Goliath. 
Okay, now um, we're going to look at this website. It's U.S. 2020 election fraud at a glance and uh, very succinctly describes uh, everything that I was just talking about. And this is just for a hard reference to these EAC accreditation laws and how the machines in 2020 and in 2018 were lacking the necessary accreditation to certify. Uh, it says here, uh, voting machines lacking EAC accreditation. In 2021, it was discovered that Arizona, Texas, Colorado, and numerous other states continued to certify electronic voting systems via Voting System Test Laboratory, Pro V and V, despite it having no active accreditation during 2020. During this time, it certified Dominion, ES and S, and clear ballot voting and tabulation machines for use in the November 2020 election. However, their accreditation to do so was marred by two significant issues. One, the certification, the certificate of accreditation had expired three years earlier in February of 2017. It was not renewed until February 2021. The original certificate of accreditation was signed by an acting EAC director, not the EAC chair, as designated by law, meaning their original certificate was likely to be legally invalid. The U.S. Election Assistance Commission, EAC, tried to cover for this mishap, calling it an administrative error, blaming COVID-19 restrictions, and then stating that accreditation cannot be revoked unless the EAC commissioners vote to revoke the accreditation, when actually this contradicts state and federal laws which stipulate that accreditation expires after two years unless specifically renewed. And uh, there it shows uh, the... Um, VSTLs, Pro VNV, SLI Compliance, NTS Huntsville, um, whether they had the accreditation on file, and I can actually expand that for you guys so you can see it better. The date of expiration, okay? And also, see, this one was uh, January 10th, 2020, uh, about 11 months too shy, 10 months too shy of the uh, 2020 elections, and also who signed for it. Now, again, acting executive director and executive director of the EAC do not count according to their rules. It has to be the chair of the EAC. So uh, that, is, uh, that is a little bit of uh, a bunch right there, ladies and gentlemen, in regard to a better understanding of this. Now we have the real life examples happening now on the ground. We have the uh, textbook definitions and understandings of it. We can mesh that together, guys. And it's going to go all over America. Uh, and the only way that this knowledge will spread, though, is if we make our elected officials, not representatives, because they don't represent us. They try to officiate over us. OK, if we make them known about it, we have to bug them. We have to send it to them. We have to tell them we have to make them understand what is happening here, because this will be a vital part of bringing down that giant ladies and gentlemen, otherwise known as the big lie, okay? Because it's not our lie, it is their lie, ladies and gentlemen. Um, okay, so we're gonna hit up one more story with Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. 
And uh, let's see here. What do I got? Uh, you know what I'm missing? You know what I am missing from here real quick? I am missing... Oh, that's Dinesh D'Souza. Hey, Dinesh, what's going on? Let me go back over here to this page. Uh, let's see here. My, uh, my phone is currently being used to record the program, so I cannot read. Let me see what else is going on in the chat room real quick. Creative Writer, thank you so much for gifting the can. Thanks for the review. Always helpful because we accumulate so much info and data points, and I forget. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've gone through this, uh, this story at least two times before and uh but this time we have we have confirmation by a secretary of snakes themselves which is quite exciting quite exciting hey what's going on the speaking easy good to see you in the audience my friend welcome to president trump's birthday bash here at the sea report gifts 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 and presents for all wouldn't you guys say that this is a great story it's confirmation of what we know, you know, and it is also uh, it is also a really fine peg to stand on, a stepping stone, as it were, as we continue to uh, press forward relentlessly in exposing the election fraud and securing election integrity in our country. Hey, Awakened Bomb, what's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you. Glad you're joining us this evening. Um, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you don't mind, I have, um, um, the voice of God coming at me. Let me go ahead and play this video for you real quick, uh, because I think certain matters will turn this into a bad, bad, bad type of situation for President Trump's birthday, and I don't want that to happen. So I have this video here, um, based on the EAC, it's explanatory video, uh, about what we just covered, uh, and I'm just going to play that for the time being, guys, and I will be right back. Hold on to those britches, because this story ain't over yet, not by far. And let me pop that out of that, and let me go ahead and do this. Where's my full screen player? Hold on. Um, let me see here. It doesn't want to go into full screen. Why not? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com. That's www.thecereport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias, Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pilt.net. The specific way in which the EAC is supposed to accredit laboratories uh, two-hour video is a little much to ask people to watch. So I'm going to stick to the basics here and make a little bit of a shorter video for you guys. That hopefully will tie in just as well to the dated 2018-2019 elections in Arizona and then the 2020 elections in Arizona um, slideshows we've got from before. Here we go. So the Help America Vote Act of 2002, otherwise known as the HAVA Act, is what created the EAC, an independent entity, the Election Assistance Commission. And what does it do? It creates minimum standards for the states. It assists states with have a compliance, it gets have a money to the states and creates voting system guidelines and operates the government's first voting system certification program. 
So in the beginning, it was a big deal to just make sure that all the states were buying machines. That was kind of a big deal. They didn't want the hanging chads paper issue from what happened um, before 2002 to happen again. So they thought, let's have everybody buy these machines and that should certainly be safer. So this commission was put in place through that codified law passed by Congress, um, but this commission here would do that, would make sure that these um, voting system hardware and software was done and certified by accredited laboratories. So here you've got the EAC, it's changed its seal, but this was what it used to be when there were all the problems. And now we've got um, this manual here is what is referred to throughout this document. You can see the OMB control number here. There's links on the slides that you can see and type in if you wanna go and follow up my work of going through it. But it gives them, it's basically if you're an LLC, you have a charter document, this one is their charter document for how to deal with accrediting laboratories. You got the EAC uses this document as their standards and um, compliance for these VSTLs, voting system test laboratories. The accreditation certificate of a laboratory looks like this. Again, if you've seen the other videos, you understand that the signature here must be the chair of the commission. In this case, it is not and it must exist for a two-year period only. Here we've got a three-year delta. So that's also uh, what we would call a non-compliant um, certificate of accreditation. Once you've got an accredited lab, which the EAC does not have at this time, you have a certificate of conformance for the actual voting system machine. And this is an example of that. So when this certificate is issued to stamp the machine is okay, uh, this date must be within the time frame that the lab was accredited. We've gone over why that didn't happen or how that didn't happen. Actually, I don't know how it didn't happen, but it, it didn't happen. Arizona, once again, has a statute, Arizona Revised Statute, stating that this has to happen. It's imperative language here that the machines must comply. And we've already shown that Arizona was not um, following law. So uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Janet Jensen did say that given the vital role elections play in this country, it is clear that certain systems and assets of election infrastructure meet the definition of critical infrastructure in fact and in law, which just makes all of this that much more egregious. So the good news is that the EAC has plenty of documentation and habit and paperwork and meetings about how well prepared this commission can be to deal with any kind of a disaster. Now the states at the bottom line have to be the ones that deal with say a hurricane or anything else. But let's just be sure that we understand that in 2016, they even had an initiative that was a possibility of dealing with flu, H1N1. 2018, of course, they had this very long meeting. They talk about these kinds of um, contingency plans a lot for hurricanes or other things that could happen. And in 2020, indeed, they put into place massive contingency plans regarding COVID. And I bring this up for a purpose. So their disaster preparedness was once again for years um, talked about in place, flu, hurricanes, anything else, they were gonna be prepared to help the states. So 
COVID was handled quite well by the EAC. Luckily, they could work from home if they needed to, like most administrative folks. And plans were, you know, in place. Of course, they had to shuffle a little, but that's what you do when you're dealing with a national emergency. The website was helpful. They had a lot of information on there. They communicated with the states. They doled out extra money. A lot of back and forth happened. And so a lot of the administrative tasks were done well by the EAC with regards to COVID. So they were uh, foreseeable risks once the emergency was declared and they were very up on the mail-in voting and communicating that. And so a lot of activity, a lot of energy, um, very prepared. In fact, COVID-19 wasn't even declared an emergency until March 13th of 2020. You can see here from the FEMA website, any of the certificates mentioned in the previous presentations, uh, the certificates of accreditation for labs that are problematic, all had issues way prior to this March 13th emergency declaration date. So none of the COVID disaster situation can be blamed for not accrediting the labs through the system that I'm gonna share with you right now. So you've got the HAVA Act. I'm not gonna read through all this. I'm gonna try and make this as short as possible without skipping. Um, but basically it's all about the compliance and funds and guidelines and certification. Once again, it established the EAC as an independent entity. Independent entity means that you're um, created having a public purpose relating to the state or its citizens that is individually created by the state or is given by the state the right to exist and conduct its affairs. So in a sense, uh, we the people give this independent entity the right to exist. It was at the federal level, nonetheless, uh, it's a public purpose that indeed only increased this last year dealing with the national emergency. So they were, they were helping states with PPE um, and taking close care regarding to that. Yet it appears that the most important task before this commission has been ignored for several years, even prior to COVID. And this is proven out by how much digital uh, work methods were utilized both before COVID and after allowed for very little disruption in administrative tasks. Personally, I can tell you, I purchased a home uh, in 2020 and also worked at a car dealership where we processed a lot of car sales, a lot of paperwork, a lot of signatures, a lot of back and forth, a lot of email, a lot of phone calls. Uh, COVID didn't really disturb us in the least other than when people couldn't move as freely. But um, as far as any tasks that required a person to sign email or do anything regarding that, um, and not a body being there, we were rocking and rolling. And in fact, EAC has sections of its manual that uh, allow it to receive documents digitally, review and sign documents through eSign. And so they had already prepped for that kind of a thing. And Zoom is a wonderful way to talk, um, vote, decision make, review things together. A lot of us have used that this past year and in fact are pretty Zoom savvy. So none of that is anything up and above and out of the ordinary that any business had to quickly switch to last year. It's just that the effort was all in uh, obviously other things and not in any kind of an oversight role with regards to compliance, it appears. So the, the commission did have the ability and the availability to accomplish the tasks. Um, standards, rules, and compliance are actually the most important function 
that must be maintained to accomplish the purpose of the law, which is the HAVE Act. And so simple adherence to these minimum standards, which I argue through the paperwork that has been presented, uh, had actually not happened for years. And in fact, we might even question the 2016 elections as well. So they had uh, plans in place to do what was foreseeably necessary to deal with things digitally and uh, didn't have anything like a hurricane, just some um, limited movement, which certainly allows for administrative tasks. Okay, so this is just showing you that um, the HAVE Act, what it does, certification and testing of voting systems. And here we go, the accreditation process. NIST is an organization, National Institute of Standards and Technology, which kind of gives a handful of suggestions to the EAC. These labs would probably be good. You might wanna check them out. If they wanna come work with you, they're good. So that's the role that NIST plays. And yet here in the manual, once again, we're looking at this manual at this link here. We look at the accreditation process because it's laid out exactly how they're supposed to do it. Sets forth the required steps that applicant laboratories must perform in order to receive an EAC voting system test laboratory accreditation. The voting system machines include all aspects of the machine from hardware to software to add-ons, um, commercial off-the-shelf components. VSTLs, again, are voting system test laboratories and we know what the EAC is. Just a picture showing you federal level, accredits the lab, which certifies the system here. And these are some examples of voting system machines. Again, federal accredits the lab, which certifies the the machine. In Arizona, we've got the Arizona Secretary of State and the Equipment Certification Advisory that advise and approve and talk to the machine manufacturers and um, do that level of, I will just say, quote unquote, due diligence. Um, not saying that they're not good people that try, but I'm just saying it's, it didn't seem to provide for the level of undersight, I'll say, <laughs> looking at that final level of vetting that needs to happen to make sure things work. And Arizona counties, through the taxpayer money, purchases these machines. All right, operating the federal government's first voting system certification program. The EAC issues formal certificates of accreditation that are published on the EAC's website. And that is true, they, uh, through the manual, have to publish. Here you can see, once again, the OMB number. So the, if you follow up, for me or with me, you can make sure that you've got the correct version of this manual, which was in place and in force. The expiration and renewal of the accreditation is clear here. A grant of accreditation is valid for a period not to exceed two years. VSTL's accreditation expires on the date annotated on the certificate. Now, now that doesn't mean that you can just make up a date. It still is only valid for a period not to exceed two years. So don't let that fool you there. Within the HAVA Act, there exists also important portions, just like when a committee like the Arizona Equipment Certification Advisory Committee must publish minutes. In the same way, the HAVA Act codifies that the commission shall disseminate to the public uh, in a matter that is consistent with the requirements of this chapter nine of the, and 44 of the United States Code um, about government publication. And it's very important that step, it's also in the manual. So several different ways coming at this, you can see that the publishing and dissemination of this 
is meant to communicate the states and the people. Again, here we see, well, once again, personnel and contractors are held to the highest ethical standards. So that sounds good. Conflict of interest, all that kind of thing. But the publication part that we were just talking about, it, it will release documents consistent with the requirements of federal law. Its policy to make the laboratory accreditation process as open as possible. Any documents or portions thereof submitted under this program will be made available to the public, unless of course there's you know, legal reasons like people's personal information maybe or something. And the primary means for making this information available is through the EAC website. Indeed, at one point, EAC did a great job of that. Okay, and we'll pause there. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that bit of uh, classroom education, right? The basically going over exactly specifically the policies, the statutes, etc. Um, that, that bring this real life situation that's being realized in New Mexico uh, to life, ladies and gentlemen, and to uh, where we can actually understand a pathway to accountability. So good stuff. So I threw the link in the chat room for this video in particular. And now if any of you all were interested in the website that this comes from, uh, again, that website is um, shrinking it down here a little bit. Um, electionfraud20.org. And I'll throw that in the website also. You know, actually, I have not even explored this entire website yet, but uh, I was very happy to find um, that there was another, ex there was a third explanation of what was going on with accreditation certification through the EAC and the VSTLs uh, that was happening uh, during our 2020 and 2018 election, too, guys, and 2018 election as well. Now, technically speaking, by the way I understand it, is that um, uh, since 2020 was not lawful um, and nor was 2018, uh, that the conditions that uh, elections occurred in would have to revert back to the last year where accreditation was uh, specified and uh, certification was valid, which would take us back to 2016 which means that everyone who was in office in 2016 would be back in office in 2016. I mean, in 2022, right? Uh, I can't say that that would be a bad thing, right? <laughs> can't say that that would be a bad thing. All right, guys, so we got one more New Mexico good story to share with you all uh, as we move forward into our treasure trove of uh, birthday and uh, holiday gifts for everyone and around. Like I said, these gifts... I might be handing them out, but they're being provided to you by the people on the ground who are uh, doing all the work and getting the, getting the job done so that this way we can share it with our families. Um, okay, so it seems that Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, again, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, I'm telling you she's going to sink her state, if not at least her own battleship. <laughs> Uh, she has um, decided to release a fact check page. Now, admittedly, it's not just Secretary of Snakes, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. The Secretary of Snakes got together and, you know, they're kind of like, well, you know, with all of this talk of election fraud and all of this doubt that's being sowed in the hearts of the people because of Donald Trump and especially 
especially because of 2,000 mules and the uh, shock waves that that is sending into the uh, subconscious, conscious, and psyches of Americans around the country. Um, they decided collectively that all the secretaries of snakes should have a fact check page on their website that addresses the concerns of the people and debunks all of the supposed fraud and the claims of fraud that are being provided by the big liars, the left, the uh, ex uh, extreme right and ultra conservative, the Donald Trump supporters of the world. Now, incidentally, Incidentally, hey, Slug Trail, what's up? Thank you for gifting the cookie. Sorry I'm late, Mr. C. Climate change, shut off my alarm clock. Damn that climate change. Oh, that climate change, it will get you. Every little bit, you know, it will get you. Climate change almost blew up my Trump birthday cake. <laughs> anyhow, anyhow. Um, so we have the um, we have this fact check page that uh, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver put up on her website. Well, in this fact check page, she decided that she wanted to go directly head to head with 2000 mules. Uh, she wanted to be the debunker of debunkers. She wanted to be the fact checker of fact checkers. She wanted to be the final word to her constituents on whether or not 2000 mules was real and true. So uh, let's take a gander at what um, this Maggie Toulouse Oliver, Secretary of Snakes for New Mexico, had to say about 2,000 mules, okay? Let's see what she had to say. Where are you at, girl? It says right here. Oh, here we go. Rumor versus reality. Is the 2,000 mules movie true? Hashtag trusted info 2022 by Maggie Toulouse Oliver. Let's see what this wretched Oliver has to say. Are the claims made about the 2020 election in the movie 2000 Mules true? Answer, the 2000 Mules movie aims to cast doubt on the integrity of the 2020 election by claiming that there was a widespread conspiracy to use mules or ballot harvesters to influence the election's outcome. The movie's claims are false and have been debunked by numerous sources says Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. The 2020 election was the most secure in history, according to election officials across the country. No evidence of widespread fraud, voter fraud, was ever proven in any state, though PolitiFact notes, while authorities identified isolated cases of voter fraud, these instances were in such small numbers, it would not have changed the election's outcome. The movie uses flawed assumptions and faulty data to try to prove its point about the 2020 election. The Associated Press did a thorough fact check of the misinformation in 2000 Mules that can be accessed here, but we have also copied some of the main points below. Claim. At least 2,000 mules were paid to illegally collect ballots and deliver them to drop boxes in key swing states ahead of the 2020 presidential election. True the vote did not prove this, according to the facts. The finding is based on false assumption about the precision of cell phone tracking data and the reasons that someone might drop off multiple ballots, according to experts. 
Ballot harvesting is a pejorative term for dropping off completed ballots for people besides yourself. The practice is legal in several states, but largely illegal in the states True the Vote focused on, with some exceptions for family, household members, and people with disabilities. The group's claims of a paid ballot harvesting scheme are supported in the film only by one unidentified whistleblower said to be from San Luis, Arizona, who said she saw people picking up what she assumed to be payments for ballot collection. The film contains no evidence of such payments in other states in 2020. Plus, experts say cell phone collection, cell phone location data even at its most advanced, can only reliably track a smartphone within a few meters, not close enough to know whether someone actually dropped off a ballot or just walked or drove nearby. What's more, ballot drop boxes are often intentionally placed in busy areas such as college campuses, libraries, government buildings, and apartment complexes, increasing the likelihood that innocent citizens get caught in the group's dragnet, uh, the expert Strigel said. Similarly, there are plenty of legitimate reasons why someone might be visiting both a nonprofit's office and one of those busy areas. Delivery drivers, postal workers, cab drivers, poll workers, and elected officials all have legitimate reason to cross paths with numerous drop boxes or nonprofit in any given day. And I'll pause right here just to say, my dear audience, I can already feel your vibe, right? Like, this is dumb. Like, everyone knows that um, uh, geo-tracking, geolocation, um, you know, uh, systems are way more advanced than what this uh, article suggests. Otherwise, my, uh, my Happy Meal might not make it to my door, right? Otherwise, the January Unselect Committee might not have been able to track down so specifically the insurrectionists that they are holding as political prisoners. But again... The left, the legacy media, the uh, lamestream, shamestream, um, uh, fake news, legacy, mockingbird propaganda, propaganda media is depending on you to be asleep and not to be aware of these simple facts of life that we utilize ourselves in our everyday life. Article concludes, in some states, in an attempt to bolster its claims, True the Vote also highlighted Dropbox surveillance footage that showed voters depositing multiple ballots into the boxes. However, there was no way to tell whether those voters were the same people as the ones whose cell phones were anonymously tracked. A video of a voter dropping off a stack of ballots at a Dropbox is not itself proof of any wrongdoing, since most states have legal exceptions that let people drop off ballots on behalf of family members and household members. For example, Larry Campbell, a voter in Michigan who was not featured in the film, told the Associated Press he legally dropped off six ballots in a local Dropbox in 2020, one for himself, his wife, and his four adult children. And in Georgia, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger's office investigated one of the surveillance videos circulated by True the Vote and said it found the man was dropping off ballots for himself and his family. Here's another claim. In Philadelphia alone, True the Vote identified 1,155 mules who illegally collected and dropped off ballots for money. The facts, according to this uh, Associated Press article? No, it didn't. 
The group has not offered any evidence of any sort of paid ballot harvesting scheme in Philadelphia, and True the Vote did not get surveillance footage for drop boxes in Philadelphia, so the group based this claim solely on cell phone location data. Its researcher, Greg Phillips, said in March in testimony to Pennsylvania state senators. Here's another claim. If it weren't for this ballot collection scheme, former President Donald Trump, their words not mine, would have had enough votes to win the 2020 election. This alleged scheme has not been proven, nor do these researchers have any way of knowing whether any ballots that were collected contained votes for Trump or for Biden. There's no evidence a massive ballot harvesting scheme dumped a large amount of votes for one candidate into drop boxes, and if there were, it would likely be caught quickly, according to Derek Mueller, or Mueller, a law professor at the University of Iowa. So Maggie Toulouse Oliver, in her uh, fact check the vote um, constituent comfort page, decides to just copy and paste what is already known to be a debunked Associated Press article. I could feel it, guys. I could feel it. You guys know that everything that's listed here that is intended for her voters to go and read and believe because she's an elected official, so she must be trustworthy, that it's going to be true and totally discredit uh, the work that True the Vote has done. And you know, under normal circumstances, something like that could probably fly. But uh, let's consider some of the parties involved here. We have uh, Catherine Engelbrecht, who's been in the game of election integrity and uh, grassroots organization to uh, maintain a true and honest vote for over a decade. We have Greg Phillips, who has uh, uh, many years, in fact, I think it's a two decades, involving election integrity and election observation and analysis on top of the other types of analysis and research that he has performed throughout those years. And then, of course, we have Dinesh D'Souza, ladies and gentlemen, whom has already been through the mill, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to political persecution when it comes to standing up for what is right, when it comes to not relenting in the face of lies, when it comes to speaking the truth, regardless of how that might affect one's personal existence and comfort on this planet. So, with that said, uh, Dinesh D'Souza decided to go ahead and enter the ring with Maggie Toulouse-Oliver and respond to her... Rumors versus reality fact check page on 2000 Mules and the investigation of True the Vote. Let's listen to what Dinesh D'Souza had to say. I try to keep uh, an eye out for critiques of 2000 Mules in the media, so I don't like to leave any of the uh, substantive critiques unaddressed or unanswered. But I wasn't aware of this. This is the New Mexico Secretary of State, a woman named Maggie Toulouse Oliver. (laughs) And she has put up on her website uh, a section that's called Voting and Elections. And some of it is a certain type of boilerplate about New Mexico. Um, She talks about voter rolls in New Mexico. She talks about the secrecy of ballots. Can someone change the election result? Uh, New Mexico's vote counting machines attached to the Internet. 
who can access voter data? Do we do audits? Does Mexico, New Mexico use paper ballots? Um, all of this is um, kind of a standard attempt to explain what, what's going on in New Mexico. I have no problem with any of it until the last one, which is called Rumor versus Reality. Are the claims made about the 2020 election, the movie, 2,000 Mules True? And now we want to get to there's, a, there's what follows is really about three pages of supposed refutation. And again, I, I, I think let's go through it and see if there's really anything here. Um, and um, the 2000 Mules movie aims to cast doubt on the integrity of the 2020 election, blah, 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 by claiming there was a widespread conspiracy. Now, the movie does not use that word. I'm, I talk about the coordination of the left in making this happen, but let's leave that aside. The movie's claims are false and have been debunked by numerous sources. Let's see what these sources are. Uh, because what you have here, and, and this is actually fairly standard for the left, they use recycle. They recycle the same information. It's kind of like when, when you look at leftists who are trying to, in, this, in the literature about critical race theory, they use recycled horror stories. Um, one guy tells a story about, oh, yeah, I was discriminated against. It's kind of dubious. They don't even go into the facts. Another guy picks it up. Oh, look, it was, you know, that was a that was a very shocking case. Uh, and so these recycled horror stories all become part. And so what they're doing here is they is is she is referring to other fact checks that have them themselves been discredited and debunked. But nevertheless, she's acting as if they're true. The 2020 election was the most secure in history, according to election officials. This is like going to the sheriff of a frontier town. He goes, Shinbone is the most secure place in the country, even though by and large, everybody's talking about robberies. No, it's the most secure. I'm the sheriff. I should know. First of all, if to, to show something is secure, you need some evidence. You need, to, you need to do some historical comparison, which has never been done. So merely quoting election officials doesn't really inspire confidence. Of course, they think it's the most secure election. The movie uses flawed assumptions and faulty data. Well, let's look at what these flawed assumptions are. I wasn't even aware that we use assumptions per se. Um, in fact, the, what the movie does is it tests hypotheses. It, it creates a hypothesis, the hypothesis that you have mules. They're going to these left-wing nonprofit centers. Then, then they're going to multiple drop boxes. Let's look and see if that's true. That's not called a faulty assumption. That's called testing a hypothesis. The Associated Press did a thorough fact check. Now, the Associated Press did one of the dumbest, most ridiculous fact checks. Things like, could the mules have been cab drivers? No. Uh, could they have been election officials who were merely going to repeatedly to ballot boxes because they were emptying the boxes? Don't be stupid. Look at the video. They're stuffing ballots in the box, not taking ballots out of the box and putting them in duffel bags. Um so the Associated Press uh, fact check has been thoroughly debunked, uh, but here it is resurrected by this woman who evidently doesn't know that that all the different items in the AP check. In fact, even the left is so embarrassed by that they they never mention the AP check anymore. They kind of have moved on to a little more sophisticated types of critiques. Well, Dinesh, maybe these were legal ballots that were merely cast in an illegal way. Blah blah blah. Claim. Uh, mules were paid to illegally collect ballots and deliver them. The facts. True, the vote didn't prove this. Well, let's see if let's see what we mean by that. We have uh, two um, facts, uh, three facts, really, that need to be taken into account. Number one, 
a whistleblower comes to True the Vote in Georgia and says, I was paid, I think the number he gave was $45,000 to deliver 4,500 roughly uh, ballots uh, and put them in drop boxes, $10 a ballot and more in the runoffs. And when asked by the True the Vote investigators whether he was alone, he's like, I'm not alone. I'm part of a big network. Everyone's getting money. So that is called testimonial proof. It's in True the Vote's reports in Georgia. We interview a mule uh, in Yuma, Arizona, who talks about money changing hands, people receiving money on a regular basis. They come up every Friday and they collect their payments. Number three, you've got mules who are taking photos. Now, in some fact checks, it has been misrepresented. They're taking photos of themselves to prove that they voted nonsense. You see the film. It's very clear they're not doing that. They're taking photos of the ballots going in the box. Now, in one case, the guy forgets and he's already put the ballots in. So he just takes photos of the box. And so the point is, why would someone do that? So the premise of the movie, the suggestion of the movie is that the, the, the uh, whistleblower was telling the truth. And that the mules, after all, are proving that they were there. They did the job. Let's remember, these are Antifa BLM types. They're not exactly reliable. If you just pay them, they they could take the ballots, just throw them in a trash can. For a lot of these people, it's just about the money. But the fact that they are taking the photos, what alternative explanation is there other than the fact that they're getting paid? And the answer is there isn't one. That's why they're taking the photos. That's how we know they were paid. I'm continuing my um, examination of Maggie Toulouse-Oliver. This is the New Mexico Secretary of State. On her website, she has a section on voting and elections. This is the actual state of New Mexico website, so it's not a personal website. I mean, she's put this on her Secretary of State website. And uh, the last part of this deals with 2,000 mules. Uh, a supposed refutation, but as we will see, this is uh, this is not a real refutation. Quote, experts say cell phone location data, even at its most advanced, can only reliably track a smartphone within a few meters, not close enough to know whether someone actually dropped off a ballot or just walked or drove nearby. Now, there are two statements here wedded together, the first of which is true, and the second of which is false and doesn't follow from the first. So the first one is that smartphones can reliably track, can be tracked within a few meters. Well, depends what you mean by few, but let's say it's five meters, which is about 10 to 15 feet. Um, so what we're saying, what 2000 Mules are saying is that you've got mules who have gone to 10 or more drop boxes and and um, have been within a few feet of those Dropbox. Now, let's remember these Dropboxes are not mailboxes. So you don't have a reason to go to a, uh, you know, you might have a reason to go repeatedly to the mailbox. Yeah, I went, I, I sent off my, I mailed off my mortgage. I went again the next morning because I had to send off my utility bill, blah, 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 to write my mom. But these are ballot Dropboxes. So the only reason to go to them is to stuff ballots. There's no other reason. So if you went to 10 or more drop boxes, what, what innocent explanation is there for that? There is none. And it doesn't matter whether you're three feet or five feet or 10 feet from these drop boxes by setting the bar at 10. Um, there is no, there is no kind of, um, um, way to account for that other than you were stuffing in balance. Now, according, um, to <coughs> this critique, 
geo-tracking cannot tell the difference between uh, driving by a Dropbox or walking by a Dropbox. And this is just simply false. If you think of what geo-tracking does, it picks up these cell phone pings just a few seconds apart. And when you build a pattern of life, what you basically see is you see a moving dot. And the moving dot is moving. It's moving because every few seconds you plot it on a kind of axis. And so you can easily tell the difference between a dot that is going past a Dropbox and a dot that is going to a Dropbox. What's the difference? Well, the difference is that in one case, you see the dot going to the Dropbox. It stops there. For several ten seconds, the, the, the dot is stationary because of stuffing the ballots. Then the dot turns around and returns to where it came from, typically a car. And then the mule gets in the car, and you see the dot moving now to the next Dropbox. So this idea that cell phone geotracking cannot make these discriminations is just laughable and ludicrous and stupid. Uh, and yet here it is on an official Secretary of State website. Uh, and now this, I think, is now re- uh, going back to the old AP uh, critique. Delivery drivers, postal workers, cab drivers, poll workers, and elected officials all have legitimate reasons to cross paths with drop boxes. Now, how moronic is this? Cab drivers, really? Uh, what would cab drivers be doing, you know, jumping out of their cars, parking in the middle of the street. There there are no passengers in the car, coming with a backpack full of ballots right up to the drop box, looking around to make sure they aren't seen, wearing latex gloves, shoving the ballots. And what would a cab driver have a reason to do that for? Um, uh, Postal workers, really? Uh, Postal workers don't put ballots into these drop boxes or take them out. Postal workers are not involved in these. These are privately funded mail-in drop boxes. Stop talking nonsense. Uh, poll workers. Well, again, as I just said a moment ago, poll workers take ballots out of drop boxes, not put them in. Poll workers have to fill out custody documents. Do you see any of these mules filling out custody documents? No, they're not taking ballots out of the box. You can manifestly see with your two eyes that they're putting ballots in the drop box. So all of this is just One foolishness on top of another, and the idea that this can be delivered with a straight face on an official website is just a pure embarrassment. Now, uh, we come to the end of the, uh, the critique. Most states have legal exceptions, they're talking now about vote harvest, that let people drop off ballots on behalf of family members and household members. First of all, the idea that most states allow this is completely wrong. Most states do not allow it. Now, there are states that do allow it, and I've mentioned specifically uh, Georgia and Arizona. Um, Wisconsin does not allow this. Uh, neither does Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, you have to return your own ballot. Now, if you're incapacitated, somebody else can return your ballot, but then they have to sign an affidavit that they have not altered the ballot in any way. And that's the only, quote, exception that is allowed in Pennsylvania. So this is right there here, a misstatement of what these laws actually are. And and so the idea that these are people dropping off, again, here, um, the man was dropping off ballots for himself and his family. And my question is, if he was doing that, why would you need to go to 10 or more drop boxes? If I was dropping, even if I had a large family, I've let's say, you know, 17 ballots, I would go to one drop box and toss them all in. Why would I go to 10 or more drop boxes? There is again, when you when you put the facts together, the power of the movie is both in the geo-tracking data and the confirmation provided by the video evidence. 
when you put the two together, you have an unassailable case and you can see all these pathetic losers flailing helplessly in an effort to discredit that case. Oh, it seems that truer words were never said, ladies and gentlemen. Truer words were never said. Um, it's it's so amazing, too. You know, um, the, the entire trying to debunk the uh, accuracy and the precision of these uh, ballot drop boxes. It's just, it's amazing. Uh, but there you go, ladies and gentlemen. There you go. You got... Uh, you got um, uh, someone like Maggie Toulouse Oliver, right? Secretary of Snakes. There she is. She's like, ugh. Right? She looks like a stinky shark, doesn't she? And uh, she knows. She knows her. Uh, she's made some mistakes. You know, she thought she was. She thought she was playing in the big leagues up there with the Katie Hobbs and Jocelyn Benson and Brad Raffensberger. Now, I would say. The top contenders there. It's probably Brad Raffensberger, Jocelyn Benson, Jenna Griswold, Katie Hobbs, Maggie Toulouse Oliver. If I had to put them in order of their effectiveness and their strength, and that's not to say that their strength is a good thing. I mean, their evilness, right? Uh, their cunning, you know, their deceptiveness, their practices of malness. Anyhow, so Maggie Toulouse Oliver does this, you know, she's simply stunned by the way that Dinesh D'Souza so. Uh, easily debunks her own debunk right now she's hurt and she's afraid and she's like am i gonna lose my job am i gonna go to jail i certified an uncertifiable election i allowed uncertified uh you know machines to go into place uh i i manipulated the vote across the state you know i i i i i i i i allowed dominion to come in and relate and, and erase election data like um wouldn't it be funny if, aside from Jenna Griswold, aside from Brad Raffensperger, aside from uh, Katie Hobbs, that uh, this one here gets rolled up first? <laughs> I can see her getting rolled up first, guys, because New Mexico is on fire right now. New Mexico is on fire, okay? Like, you have a patriot force unknown working to secure the 2020 elections, okay, hard. So uh, she should be afraid with this. She should be naked, maybe not naked and afraid. She should be scurred, right? You see that face she's making? She should be scurred, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, real quick, uh, Sean Joe, thank you for gifting the cookie. Much appreciated. And WC Cranop dropping 777 gold pills. Says, uh, thank the chat for me, Mr. C. Thank you, chat. Had to, uh, what does it say? Had a need to pose and our fellow patriots step right up. All right. Well, thank you so much for that donation. Thank you, audience, for and chat room for inspiring WC Cranop to drop 777 gold pills into um, the <laughs> into the into the into the restoration box of the C report. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, well, you know, I tell you guys, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel pretty good about the stories that we've reviewed so far. You know, we see strides being made in advance of election integrity, exposing election fraud with valid and logical and findable, findable, you know, um, uh, um, 
um, rules, laws, regulations that support what we're seeing. We're also seeing these strong figures, these, these strong characters, uh, people who are fashioning themselves as uh, true American heroes, ladies and gentlemen, true American heroes, these strong individuals, strong characters, strong figures, strong personalities who will not relent, who will not stop, who will not give up, who will not give in, but they will, they will carry on and they will pursue what they know to be right, just, and moral, not just for themselves, but for their family, their friends, their brothers and sisters, and for the rest of their countrymen. And in lieu of that, the rest of the world. Oh, would you look at that, guys? Don't forget, we are celebrating President Trump's birthday today. Welcome to the Sea uh, Report uh, President Trump birthday edition. Happy birthday edition. Wishing our president a happy birthday on this, the day of his birth, but in the year 2022, as we continue with these, um, with these positive and encouraging stories of election integrity and these featurettes on strong profiles of election personalities or strong, strong personalities in pursuit of election integrity. Uh, as we leave the Arizona, New Mexico, Western frontier and bid it adieu to uh, hop into another area of the country. Let us wish President Trump a happy, happy birthday. Do you have any disappointment, Mr. Trump? So. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday. Y dice... Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, President Trump. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, Mr. Trump. Happy birthday, President Trump. <laughs> Sorry. I had to do it. Okay, I told you. I told you, I'll be doing this all night long, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> At least until 12 midnight. Well, no, I don't know that we'll be on that late. We'll, we'll just be going until I run out of stories for this encouraging election integrity episode on President Trump's birthday. Uh, but that's going to bring us to this next figure that you see. Uh, 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 just maliciously uh, smiling, like smugly, evilly. This man looks like a man who is self-satisfied. Like he accomplished, you know, he was like, he's like, I took a duty in the potty, mama. Like he's so proud of himself. For whatever reason, this man is doing this. And I know that the podcast listeners are wondering, who the heck am I talking about? Well, we're talking about none other than the B2 backstabber, Bill Barr. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, you know, because a lot of individuals out there, and I, you know, I think that the number is diminishing, actually, when we're talking about people on the fence with Bill Barr, you know, uh, and I, you know, you know, you know, 
we don't deal in absolutes, so, you know, and we deal with the present. And in the present time, Bill Barr is proving himself to be an absolute backstabbing bastard, ladies and gentlemen, as far as his dealings with the Trump administration, the American people, the America First agenda, the restoration of the republic, and the protection of our United States Constitution. Okay, so present time, Bill Barr is a piece of crap, okay? Absolutely a piece of crap. But does that mean it will be that way in the future? I guess we will have to wait and see. But as for now, I don't trust this man any further than I could throw him. And I guarantee I could not pick this man up to throw him. So I would never trust him. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, some of you may be privy to the fact that Bill Barr did make an appearance during the flim-flam-shim-sham unselect committee hearing into the uh, January 6th false flag capital riot yesterday morn at Monday when everyone was either asleep, hungover, or busy at work or at school, right? Uh, and uh, Bill Barr had a few things to say ladies and gentlemen, in regards to uh, election integrity, uh, investigations into fraud, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, he also had something to say about 2,000 mules and true the vote. So uh, why don't we hear the words of this Jutis goat himself? What should we call him? This Jutis potbelly pig, Bill Barr. Here is, uh, here's what he had to share um, uh, as part of his testimony or as part of uh, the unselect committee's um, evidence against President Trump at the hands of his former AG. Here we go. My opinion then and my opinion now is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs> well, maybe you can uh, assess that 2000 Mules and people are talking about that. Well, I mean, just in a nutshell, you know, I just think the GBI was unimpressed with it. And I was similarly unimpressed with it because I think if you, because uh, I was holding my fire on that to see what the photographic evidence was, because I thought, well, hell, if they have, a lot of photographs of the same person dumping a lot of ballots in different boxes, you know, that's hard to explain. Um, so I wanted to see what the photographic evidence was, but the uh, cell phone data is, is singularly unimpressive. I mean, it basically, if you take 2 million uh, cell phones and, and figure out where they are physically in a big city like Atlanta or wherever, just, by definition, you're going to find many hundreds of them have passed by and spent time in the vicinity of these boxes. And the premise that, if, you know, if you go by a box, you know, five boxes or whatever it was, you know, that that's a mule is just indefensible. It, 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 by definition, you're going to have a lot of hundreds of this. I mean, one, I saw one contractor said, we figured out that our truck alone would account for six cell phone signals. Uh, this was a, you know, a, a, some kind of contractor. And, you know, our route would take us by these things on a regular basis. So I, I but then, no, when the movie came out, uh, you know, I think the photographic evidence in it was completely 
lack. I mean, it was there was a little bit of it, but it was lacking. You know, it didn't it didn't establish widespread uh, illegal um, harvesting. The other thing is people don't understand is that. Uh, it's not clear that even if you can show harvesting, that that changes the the results of the election. You're not, the courts are not going to throw out votes uh, and then figure out you know, what votes were harvested and throw them out. It's still the burden on the challenging party to show that illegal votes were cast. Votes were the result of undue influence or bribes or or there was really you know the person was non compass mentis. Uh, but absent that evidence, I don't. I just didn't see courts throwing out votes anyway. I felt that uh, before the election, it was possible to talk sense to the president. Uh, and while you sometimes had to uh, engage in, uh, you know, a big wrestling match with him, and, uh, that it was possible to keep things on track. But I was uh, felt that after the election, he didn't seem to be listening, and I didn't think it was. Uh, uh, you know that I that I was inclined not to stay around if he wasn't listening to advice from me or his other cabinet secretaries. Quiet, you. Quiet, 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 you. Okay. All right. Oh, wait. <laughs> I made the whole screen disappear. That's good. All right, guys. So there's the backstabber Bill Barr. Let's get that off the screen. So uh, clearly, no respect. And um, what kind? Yeah, exactly. Like that, Bill Barr. Like that, Bill Barr. Uh, what, what kind of investigation do you think this man ran, really? Like, what kind of investigation do you think that Bill Barr really ran? And then for him to what? Just basically um, repeat the same talking points that we heard Maggie Toulouse-Oliver talk about, that we heard uh, that came from the Associated Press that was summarily debunked. That's right. The debunkers debunked. Okay. And uh, not even taking into consideration the uh, parameters of the investigation that was carried out by True the Vote in order to ensure the slimmest, slightest possibility that they would have some type of a discrepancy in identifying what they consider to be a ballot trafficking mule, right? Do you think Bill Barr went over to True the Vote and said, hey, Catherine, uh, how about we have a little bit of an invest? Let me review all of your files, right? D did he do that? No, he didn't. Do you know, do you think he went over to Greg and was like, Greg, can you explain to me the precision and the accuracy uh, modules that you use in pertaining to these uh, mules that you're tracking down? No, he did not, you know? And of course, uh, if a picture is worth a thousand words, then uh, just because they didn't get a single ballot trafficking mule multiple times at a ballot, that obviously means that he was, uh, they were dropping off uh, ballots for their family, just as Maggie Toulouse-Oliver was saying in her copy, copied and pasted um, article there. But uh, the thing that they fail to uh, marry together is that it might be an individual video footage of a singular event, but they can still trace that same mule to other drop boxes. Whether there is a video or not, the point of the matter is it is still that same specific individual or that same specific tracking number slash phone slash signal 
going to other ballots. So indeed, if they only caught a dad of 10 dropping off, you know, 12 ballots at the drop box, why was he visiting 10 other drop boxes on multiple days? If uh, he had to deliver 12 ballots for his family, did he want to put uh, one ballot for each member around the county and then do it again the next night? Oh, wait, but he couldn't do that because he would most definitely be guilty of election fraud. Right. So can't do that. So Bill Barr coming out of the gates laughing only again with another assist to the deep state with another assist to the globalists, with another assist to those who would rather see this country torn to shreds along with its constitution and its um, bill of rights, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't take much for me to not trust this man anymore, but that is at the current and present time, ladies and gentlemen, as far as that is concerned. But what Bill Barr doesn't realize is that the ripcord has been pulled, okay? And where Bill Barr seems to think that, um, uh, I don't know, uh, parroting other people's analysis of what True the Vote and 2000 Mules discovers is sufficient enough to be an investigation. Well, you know, I think Bill Barr seems to think that uh, figuring out whether that's a, uh, a wad of boogers or guacamole in his taco is a more worthy investigation than actually seeking the counsel and the, um, 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 the uh, opinion of individuals like Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips of True the Vote. He would rather know whether or not that corn kernel is going to show its face tomorrow in the toilet bowl and investigate that than he would to contact and do a proper type of investigation into the actual ballot trafficking um, incident that has been recorded and documented by True the Vote. And I know that's crass, but uh, when you see the face of Bill Barr, how else can one be, right? Let's take a look at this article real quick. And uh, yeah, we're definitely spilling into True the Vote 2000 Mules territory, ladies and gentlemen, as we continue in our forage through absolutely encouraging and positive election integrity and election fraud expose stories. This one is from, uh, I think it's from uh, 100% Fed Up. It says the Gateway Pundit and 100% Fed Up release stunning footage of a woman signing multiple ballots before dropping them into absentee ballot drop boxes. Now, I might say, while I do not have the footage to share with the audience tonight, there has been footage that was just released that showed a single ballot trafficking mule stopping at three or four separate locations. And the reason for that happening now, as opposed to having it included in the movie, is because, again, there was so much data that Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht and the team at True the Vote had to go through. They couldn't capture everything. So what we're going to see right now are some examples of instances where ballot trafficking mules that were not featured in 2000 Mules will be shared with an audience for the first time. Now, I have, I think there's about four to five different uh, instances that we'll be watching here now. And there are more coming forward as the ripcord has been pulled, as, um, election, as all of the data that they collected has been released.
and people are already going to work on it ladies and gentlemen. So let's see what this article has to say and then we'll check out some videos just to throw it in the face of Bill Barr, right? It says, uh, thanks to the hard work and commitment of the Michigan Citizens for Election Integrity and their team who poured over hours of Dropbox footage, the Gateway Pundit and 100% Fed Up were able to provide footage from the Dropboxes in Detroit to True the Vote to be used in the 2000 Mules movie. In Michigan, according to the MCLA 168.764A, an immediate family member or household member may deliver a ballot to the clerk for the voter. In the video below, a woman who is the passenger in a silver sedan can be seen pulling up to the Farwell Recreation Center at 2711 East Outer Drive in Detroit, Michigan. The camera catches her leaving the parked vehicle and walking with a stack of ballots in her hand to the absentee ballot drop box. As she approaches the drop box, a person behind her pulls up, rolls down the window, and appears to hand her a ballot or ballots to drop in the box. She appears to take the ballot or ballots and places it or them into the drop box for the person in the vehicle behind her. Next, she looks down at her stack of ballots and realizes they have not been signed. She takes the ballot back to the vehicle and ballots back to the vehicle and fishes for a pen. Once she locates a pen, she begins to sign each individual ballot and stack them on the dashboard. When the video is slowed down, the pen she is signing the ballots with is visible to the camera. After she signed all four ballots, she positions them in a neat pile, likely so it's not obvious to the camera observing the Dropbox that she carry, she's carrying more than one ballot, and walks back to the Dropbox and inserts them into the slot and walks away. And, uh, well, let's see here. I guess we're going to see that video now. That's not the video. I think this is. Whoops, I think this is. Oh, we'll see it in this video. So, okay, so uh, the um, the uh, situation we just described to you will be uh, exhibited in this. It's an interview between 100% uh, Fed Up's Patty McMurray, uh, Jim Hoft, owner and founder of uh, the Gateway Pundit, and uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote. Uh, so you'll get to see exactly what we just saw. I mean, what we just read about. And, uh, well, let's just check them um, out, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what they got to say. Um, Patty, did we want to show that footage? We're running out of time. We had we, we went through. We, Patty has a team. Well, we, we, we have a team that we put together in Michigan. Uh, some uh, wonderful activists and uh, citizens who wanted to get involved. And, of course, uh, you know how much footage we have. Um, and you have uh, even more, I believe, from the Detroit area. And we had uh, people look through some of this footage and we, we found a few things. We just wanted to share a couple things with you. Um, if Yay. That's all right. yeah. 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 Before before we do that, I just want to recognize this group there. Um, the name of the group is MC4EI. And this group of people have been not only working together since after the election, but they were actually working uh, several months before the election, the 2020 election, 
and they've uncovered incredible, incredible um, details related to voter fraud. And so um, when Jim got the footage, these were the first people that we thought of. Um, Phil O'Halloran, Joe Brandis, Dr. Becky Behrens, and um, Lori Skiba is a new addition to the group. Um, so we wanna recognize these people because they've been spending um, weeks now going through the video footage um, and the things that they found so far are pretty incredible. And I'm sure you can relate to what we're talking about because um, the, the more you watch these videos, the more um, you just, you understand that there's no question that our election was stolen. And these are just, the, the video that Jim is going to show is from uh, a Dropbox in Detroit. Um, uh, a um, One of the, the satellite voting offices. So they have these drop boxes, and then they typically have a place where you can go inside and register to vote um, in the same location. But um, so yeah, so this is um, Jim. Do you want to set up the video or? Um, well, I, again, Catherine, I, I'm sure you're pleased. This is uh, crowdsourcing at its best. Love and, it. Uh, Love it. <laughs> and this is what uh, obviously we all need. I don't think we've seen. Um, uh, dare I say, we haven't really seen the Republican Party stand up and do this. We haven't seen other people that we wanted to, to take action, but we do have a lot of people in this country, just like you, Catherine, when you started, who uh, want you know the best for this country and want to save this country for our children and grandchildren. So we have this great group that uh, came together. They're phenomenal, and they've dedicated a lot of hours. So uh, the first video was, uh, uh, I think we could go with the... Um, the woman in the car. Okay, so, Patty, you want to describe that? Well, yeah, so this woman is uh, delivering a stack of ballots and the person behind her rolls down the window and hands her a ballot to put in the ballot box with her stack. And then she goes back to her car with the stack of ballots again. And I think at that point she realized that the ballots were not signed. And so you're going to watch her sign each ballot in the, in the vehicle. <laughs> and she signs them and then puts them on the dashboard individually. First she searches for a pen, it takes a second, but we've got this speeded up so you can see. But yeah, so she's signing. And, and when it slowed down, you can see the pen in her hand when she reaches up and puts the ballot on the dashboard each time. That is awesome. Yeah, so uh, she's that's it. You guys are yeah. you guys good fun. Good fun. That's yeah, they, they did a great, great job. Fun. They did a great job finding this. And as you can yes. see, there it is right there. And they did a close up with the camera. The footage is very clear. There she goes right to the Dropbox. So uh, mission accomplished. Unbelievable. Yeah. And what's interesting when the video is, is, is a little bit slower in normal speed, you can see that she, as she's approaching the Dropbox, I think she realizes the camera's there, not knowing the camera's on her vehicle the whole time. And she pulls her mask up as she goes to put the ballots in the Dropbox. But unfortunately, I don't think she realized that the camera, the, the, the cameras are just great in some of these videos. It's unbelievable the detail we've been able to pick up. Yeah. The next, the next clip we that have is, is amazing. The, yeah, the next clip we have is um, a postal worker who uh, uh, made four stops within an hour. We have the timestamps right there. And again, this is speeded up a little bit, I think. Um, but she made four different stops within an hour at the Dropbox. We're not Same sure Dropbox. The, yeah, we're not sure about the legality of this, um, but it's certainly appeared suspect. Um, so here she is going back again and again. Uh, we haven't seen a, other post office workers doing this, so that's why this, this stood out to us. Did you want to add anything on that, Patty? Yeah, just in the final video. So this is the same person 
and the number on the vehicle matches um, each time. So in the fourth visit, she comes back, and this is her, a private vehicle, so this is not a post office vehicle. Um, she comes back for a fourth trip with a big stack. That's a pretty substantial stack of ballots. Um, and she throws them in the Dropbox and then great work guys private is, vehicle this is that's great I've been, I've been through I've been through thousands of hours of video myself the t, the t, people don't understand the tedium of this and how difficult this is uh, but that is super impressive so so proud of you oh. folks guys that's amazing Thank you. yeah we are too they do great, a great job. We, have, we have one one more clip Patty do you want to set that one up that's the stack uh, the, the man in the black Nike oh. shoes who was uh, very busy that day. This is election day, I, I believe. It might be the day before. But uh, Patty, you, you have... Yeah, so he was um, first confronted by one of the, um, the team members that was watching the Detroit Office of Elections and several ballot drop boxes. They had teams of people that were watching the drop boxes. Um, and uh, so he was confronted. He was carrying a stack of, of blank ballots out of the Department of Elections. And he was standing by the curb and one of the people... Um, that was working in this team asked him where he was going with them and he got nervous and said that he was delivering them to one of the satellite locations that was about seven miles away and when they asked what how, why he was delivering blank ballots that were not in a container he um, said he had been doing it all day that was his fifth trip and then um, he got nervous and started to walk away and they asked him where he was going he said he was going to walk there which was seven miles away. And then the video that Jim just showed is about seven or nine minutes after they saw this man that said he was walking seven miles to the next um, satellite district or uh, satellite office to drop off blank ballots. So he obviously got a ride there. So it's, it's, it's interesting. There's, there's obviously more. They saw this guy around. He was a very busy person in Detroit. Uh, the, the other video. I, I think if the, I think if there's one one thing as you go on here, Jim, if there's one thing that I can say that we all need to, I mean, obviously cleaning the voter rolls is super important, but if these drop boxes are going to be in place, America and Americans and patriots have to get eyes on these drop boxes. Those people that confronted mm -hmm. that guy are 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 legit heroes. Heroes, absolutely. Yep, we agree. Absolutely. Yep. And then this, this final video, you may have seen this. We, we released this back in uh, February of 2021, and this is inside the TCF Center. Now, the local media um, said that uh, this never happened. Patty actually called me on November 4th. She was inside the TCF, and she said, Jim, you won't believe it. I, I just heard that a van dropped off boxes of ballots uh, in the middle of the night, and uh, she was working inside the TCF that morning. So we put in a request to get this video. It took months, and uh, we got this at Gateway Pundit. We put this up on a you know, on our site. We tweeted about it, and that's when we uh, lost our Twitter account, by the way, um, by putting up this video. Um, there's a lead car, uh, an escort car that comes in. You can see here um, each time he hands something to the people inside, and then the, this, uh, this van drives in, uh, and they actually came in twice. Now, we had local media, one of the top reporters there. I'm not going to mention his name. Uh, he said that this never happened. Uh, he was there all night. There was no fraud. Nothing happened. So now we have the video of that. What's interesting about this, though, and that's why we included it today, is, for one, it'd be wonderful to have some ping data on who these people are driving the escort car because we found out later 
this escort car was from I was just uh, thinking a, that. A, a Pennsylvania license. So it's a rental car, we believe. Um, and uh, uh, but what we found from Patty's group, the Michigan group, is um, they counted the, the drop box ballots the last couple days. And um, there was only about uh, 1,400 um, in, in the area that were dropped off the past the, the last two days, the ones that they counted. They've actually watched every drop box and counted the ballots for every single person that dropped a ballot in um, in Detroit. So they counted the ballots, and that's and, about and the number that they came up with, around 1,340. Yeah, 1,300, 1,400. And then um, when these were dropped off and they got caught, they came out and said, well, it was just 16,000 ballots. So we're not sure where they got these. This was eight hours after the, after the you know, uh, everything was shut down. You're supposed to have your ballots in at 8 p.m., you know, eight hours later, they bring this inside the TCF, a big, huge drop. And um, we know now they came in twice with with uh, 60 uh, boxes of ballots the first time, another 13 or 12 or 13 the second time. And they're telling us, um, you know, that they had 16,000. We're wondering because of, of, of the work this group in Michigan has done, well, where those ballots come from? We, we have no idea. Well, so. The great news is we already have the data, so we don't have to buy anything new. All we need is the, uh, if somebody can just go to wherever these places were, get me the exact uh, geocode location. Lat long. Um, and, uh, and the lat long and, and, um, um, and just uh, send me that with the time that these, that these, any of these events that you just shared occur. Yeah. Um, there's a pretty fair chance that we'll be able to knock this one out. That's exciting. That's, that's great news. Yeah. And, and we'll have other information we, we could use your help on as well. But I think before we continue, I think we're assuming that everybody understands the technique that was used to find these ballot trackers. We mm. really didn't. All right, guys. So there you go. There's that on this momentous of all nights of nights, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've got uh, some footage there from, again, that was uh, Greg Phillips and Catherine Engelbrecht and Jim Hoft and Pat McMurray of 100% Fed Up, uh, just sharing with um, viewers some additional footage. Now, uh, there is more that is out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have example uh, of this one. Uh, now, this is actually the example of a same woman who visits the Detroit, Michigan Satellite Voting Center Dropbox. So let's just take a gander at that one real quick. And again, this is just in the face of Bill Barr and every other single debunking debunker that seems to think that uh, they know exactly what is what and they have explained everything away. Let's take a look. So it appears that there is no volume with this. So you see uh, the lady here dropping off multiple ballots. Uh, that looks like a lot of ballots. I'm curious to know exactly how much money she made that day. And this is trip number one. Now, this is what Bill Barr was talking about, right? Oh, it's only one person. They could be delivering. We don't have multiple people. Well, since the ripcord has been pulled, individuals have been scouring through this data looking for evidence uh, that suggests that these uh, ballot mules are exactly what True the Vote claims them to be. And here she is again. She appears to take a photo of herself dropping absentee ballots into the drop box. They got to make sure these Antifers are worth their money. And uh, 21 minutes later, she makes a third trip. 
same vehicle. She's probably in the same outfit, right? Walking around. How many do you think that is, guys? Like, probably like at least north of 10, right? At least north of 10. God, can you believe these people? All right, so I guess we're going to see trip number four now. She comes in a truck or what? How could they be so sure that this is actually trip number four? How do they know? Oh, wait, because there she is. <laughs> oh, they tricked us, ladies and gentlemen. They tricked us. Yeah, that's uh, at least 10 ballots. At least 10. She's probably like a high school teacher or something like that. No shame whatsoever. I guess she believes she's doing her civic duty. I don't know. That's terrible. Busted. You've been caught on candid camera. Whomever it is that you are. Okay, and you know, actually, I think this one we might have seen um, in the video that was uh, featuring um, uh, the four in their... Uh, oh, let me... I might freeze, just so you know. Okay, maybe not. Uh, I think we saw this one that was actually featured in the uh, the um, four-way conversation. It's the it's a postal worker, guys. A postal worker. Isn't that crazy? Uh, let's give him a little bit more time of day. Again, another silent video. A postal worker uh, van pulls up and someone in what appears to be plain clothes, but probably, you know, it's, it's a postal worker. That to me looks like it would be... Uh, some kind of like, you know, company jacket or job jacket or a jacket that's provided by their employee, the postal service. Um, so I think it was marked as a plain clothes individual stepping out of a postal service truck or van. Stuffing those ballots, stuffing those ballots. So even the postal workers were in on it, ladies and gentlemen. Not bueno. Not bueno indeed. All right, guys. And as just another friendly reminder, today is President Trump's birthday. And that is exactly why we are bringing to you these encouraging stories of election integrity and expose into election fraud. Sean Joe, thank you so much for gifting the cookie over there in the chat room. Much appreciated, my friend. And in the spirit of celebrating and honoring President Trump's birthday, ladies and gentlemen, I've got another one for you. Here we go. Happy birthday, baby, birthday, baby. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Donald Trump. Happy birthday, Donald Trump. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Got it. Happy birthday to you. All right. That was a little birthday song from Illegitimate Joe to our president. 
President Donald Trump, I know you guys are probably like, what the heck are you doing tonight, Mr. C? We just don't understand. Well, we are celebrating the president's birthday on Flag Day and also sharing great tidings of election integrity and the fierce personalities that are taking it to those who would try to defraud and destroy our country. And uh, that brings us over to the uh, state of Georgia. Now, Georgia has been top of the mind for quite some time, ladies and gentlemen, uh, particularly in the last few weeks after the Georgia primaries for 2020. We saw so many weird and uh, questionable things occurring, uh, including, including both the governor, Brian Kemp, and the secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, who polled pretty low throughout the entire campaign season, nearly double, if not surpass doubling, any poll that uh, was worth anything in the final vote outcome total. Many questions were raised. Last night, we just covered Candace Taylor, who is fighting against, or at least attempting to stop and hold accountability against what looks like to be election fraud. Now, as we know about uh, true um, voter GA, uh, Garland Favorito's outfit, the grassroots um, um, election integrity uh, group that has been working also for over a decade in the state of Georgia to bring election integrity, truth, honesty, and security to the elections in the Peach State has discovered not only missing ballots at several uh, in several counties, but also also a very questionable number or mathematical equation that seems to be set up to rig the vote within the machines for a certain percentage, one that you could do math by and guarantee the outcome, which begs the question if voter fraud occurred in Georgia in 2022, but I think even more so to the point if we're getting to the uh, ballot trafficking, ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget that True the Vote's information on ballot trafficking and the whistleblower forced Secretary of Snakes Bradford Raffensperger to open, to open an investigation into ballot trafficking in their state. And uh, to share that story with you guys, I have uh, requested assistance from Roman Balmakov, um, who is a host of, uh, what is the name of his show? His show is called Facts Matter. And in case you didn't know, this is an Epoch Times outfit. And uh, in this report, he outlines everything that was discovered and how the investigation has began and how it is going through. And we'll catch up with Roman on the backside, like I prefer to, and uh, we'll take it from there. So uh, here's Roman Bal Balmokov of the Epoch Times uh, talking about how 2,000 mules inspired the state of Georgia to open an investigation and call for subpoenas into ballot trafficking. We've talked about this before, but uh, this fine looking man does a pretty good job of explaining it. So here you go, ladies and gentlemen. This right here, this right is, here the is the democratic voting process. Citizens go to the polls and then they vote for the people that they want to represent them within the government. It's one of the cornerstones of our constitutional Republican system. In fact, from a certain perspective, you can say that this was the real contribution that America made to the entire world. However, it appears that the sanctity of this process is under a bit of an assault. 
That's because according to the election watchdog group that was featured in the new film called 2000 Mules, they found that different left-wing foundations, as well as different NGOs, they made very, you can say, creative use of the ballot drop boxes that were deployed during the 2020 election. Specifically, as was shown in that film, the organization called True the Vote, which is the election watchdog group, they used cell phone tracking data. They used surveillance footage as well as interviews with the actual ballot mules themselves in the different states in order to map out what at least appears to be an illegal ballot harvesting scheme that played itself out across multiple states. And after seeing the film, after seeing the surveillance footage, and after seeing the geolocation data on a map, well, many people across the entire country have been asking what the next steps are in order to ban this practice, as well as how to hold people accountable. And the answer is, frankly, rather simple. Now that all the data has been collected, True the Vote is going around and they are giving presentations to the different state legislatures in order to have them launch their own investigations. Because at the end of the day, it's the individual states that have their own police forces and their own election offices, and only they have the power to issue subpoenas as well as to launch criminal inquiries. And that appears to be exactly what has happened. To start with, on our previous episode, we already discussed how a county in Arizona has just launched a new investigation into this illegal ballot trafficking, and they have already 16 open cases. However, Arizona is not alone. That's because over in the state of Georgia, the Secretary of State's office has likewise initiated an investigation into the alleged ballot trafficking that took place during the 2020 election. And by some appearances, it looks like this investigation is beginning to advance forward. Let's in fact go through some of these Georgia developments together. To start with, according to the subpoenas that they've actually issued, it looks like the Georgia state investigators are beginning to zero in on both the sources of funding for this ballot trafficking, as well as on the eyewitness testimonies of the people who either witnessed it or took part in it. Now, these subpoenas, which you can see up on screen for yourself, were first obtained by JustTheNews.com through an open records request. And they show that the State Elections Board, as well as the Georgia Secretary of State, Mr. Brad Raffensperger, they are looking for the identities of any suspected participants in this ballot harvesting scheme. Here's, in fact, specifically what the subpoena says they're looking for. Quote, the identity of anyone who has not smashed that like button and who has not yet subscribed to the Facts Matter YouTube channel. Now, I'm, of course, just joking here. The state of Georgia is not looking into the like button situation, but I am. So if you don't want to be investigated, smash both that like and subscribe buttons. Now, really, though, this is what the subpoena says that they're really looking for. Quote, the identity and contact information of these several individuals regarding personal knowledge, methods, and organizations involved in ballot trafficking in Georgia referenced in the complaint and any recordings, transcripts, summaries, testimony, statements, witness interviews, notes, or other documents describing what those individuals said. Furthermore, the subpoena says that they are requesting the identity of a Georgia-based whistleblower that True the Vote actually got a chance to interview and who admitted in their testimony to being paid $10 per ballot for his work. Specifically, on this point, here's what the subpoena requests. Quote, all statements that John Doe made regarding his alleged participation in ballot harvesting in Georgia. Now, I do want to pause here for a quick moment and touch on this particular whistleblower, this John Doe character, because this was not something that was actually mentioned in the 2000 Mules film. You see, back in March of this year, in March of 2022, True the Vote submitted a detailed report to the Georgia State Legislature, which explained their methodologies, such as the cell phone geotracking, as well as their surveillance footage, but it also included direct testimony from an interview that they were able to get with an actual mule. Here's, in fact, what True the Vote wrote in their letter that was addressed to the Georgia Secretary of State. Quote, Acting upon information provided to us, True the Vote's contracted team of researchers and investigators spoke with several individuals regarding personal knowledge, methods, and organizations involved in ballot trafficking in Georgia. One such individual, here and after referred to as John Doe, admitted to personally participating and provided specific information about the ballot trafficking process. 
This information was provided under agreement of anonymity. And just for your reference, there is a footnote in their letter explaining why the identity of this individual is redacted. And as you likely guessed, it's because that they want to protect the individual's safety as well as to make sure that John Doe feels comfortable enough to speak openly about committing an actual crime. Regardless, let's dive into what John Doe actually said he was doing. Here's how the letter continues. Quote, John Doe described a network of non-governmental organizations, otherwise known as NGOs, that work together to facilitate a ballot trafficking scheme in Georgia. John Doe claimed to have been one of many individuals paid to collect and deliver absentee ballots during the early voting periods of the November 2020 general election and the January 2021 runoff election. While acknowledging that others might view his actions as inappropriate, John Doe did not seem to understand the unlawful nature of this conduct, nor that it might constitute organized criminal activity. John Doe's perception was that he had been hired to do a job and it was appropriate to be paid for the services rendered. However, I do want to point out that what John Doe is describing here in this letter is in fact illegal under Georgia state law. That's because according to HB 316, within the state of Georgia, a voter can either personally mail the ballot him or herself or it can be delivered by an immediate family member, meaning that this practice of ballot harvesting is completely illegal. But it doesn't look like that stopped these individuals from doing it anyway. Here's how the testimony continues. Quote, John Doe's assignment included collecting ballots, both from voters in targeted neighborhoods and from NGOs that had their own ballot collection processes, delivering those ballots to other NGOs, picking up designated ballot bundles from the same group of NGOs, and depositing ballots into drop boxes spanning six counties in the metro Atlanta area. Each drop box delivery would typically include between 5 to 20 ballots. John Doe described a payment validation process which involved taking cell phone pictures of the drop box where ballots were deposited. Participants were compensated, typically, at a rate of $10 per ballot. John Doe stated he had been paid directly by one of these NGOs. Now, what he is describing there is an illegal ballot harvesting scheme, one in which it appears that these NGOs were soliciting and harvesting ballots and then paying ballot mules $10 a pop in order to get them delivered into a box. Now, Ms. Catherine Engelbrecht, the founder of True the Vote, she said that she has received the subpoenas from the Georgia Secretary of State and is consulting with her attorneys regarding the next steps. Here's specifically what she said in a statement to Just the News. Quote, I can confirm that Secretary Raffensperger is actively investigating allegations of ballot trafficking and voter abuse. The issues his team is tackling are both massive and complex, and investigations like this will take time. Now, besides the identity of John Doe, the subpoena is also requesting any information that Catherine or her researchers have about the streams of funding that went to this alleged ballot harvesting scheme. Specifically, the subpoenas ask for the identities of the, quote, network of non-governmental organizations that work together to facilitate a ballot trafficking scheme in Georgia, as well as any information about the 10 hubs that True the Vote alleged were behind the coordination of the ballot trafficking. Now, as of right now, as of this moment, the specific names of the NGOs and the different foundations have yet to be revealed. However, in a fairly revealing interview that the Georgia Secretary of State gave on a podcast over at Just the News, well, he mentioned that besides investigating the organized effort of ballot harvesting, his office was also investigating the organized effort at registering non-citizens. Specifically, the Secretary of State said that his office conducted a citizenship audit of Georgia's voter rolls, and they found more than 1,600 non-citizens who tried to register to vote, which is actually a felony within the state of Georgia. Here's specifically what he said, quote, what I found is we had 1,634 people that were never put on the voter rolls. They were in the pending status because they couldn't prove their citizenship. That's a felony in Georgia to even attempt to register if you're a non-citizen. And that's a one to 10 year prison term and up to a $100,000 fine. Then the secretary of state said that he has actually referred these cases to the different attorney generals across the state, adding that he is currently investigating whether these 1,600 people attempted to register to vote of their own volition 
or if there was actually an organized effort leading them from behind the scenes. Here's specifically what he said, quote, the office sent the information they found to the state attorney general and local district attorneys who will interview those who couldn't prove their citizenship and ask them, did you do this on your own free will or were you put up by it by some third party organization? Through these investigations, they will find out if there is an organization that's been really attempting to get non-citizens on the voter rolls in Georgia. Now, the idea that there is some organized effort to get non-citizens registered to vote might sound like a conspiracy theory. However, the Secretary of State mentioned that it would actually be fairly consistent with what's been happening in the state of Georgia for the past several years now. And as an example of what he meant by that, he noted that right now there's an organization called Fair Fight Action, which is actually a group founded by Ms. Stacey Abrams, and they are currently suing the state of Georgia because they say that the state law which requires ID and proof of citizenship for voters violates the U.S. Constitution. And therefore, they're arguing that it's illegal to force voters to prove their citizenship in order to vote. Here's specifically how the Secretary of State described the situation. Quote, when Stacey Abrams ran for governor four years ago, she talked about the blue wave, and she said, that's the people who are documented and undocumented, i.e., that means the non-citizens. She wanted them to be able to vote in our elections, and absolutely not. I've been pushing back on that. I think that's an incredibly critical issue, not just for us here in Georgia, but for the entire country. Only American citizens should vote. And by the way, I should mention that right here in New York City, where we filmed this program, a new law now allows non-citizens to vote here in the city elections. And so his claim that this type of movement is affecting the entire country, not just Georgia, is now without merit. Regardless, Catherine from True the Vote, she commented on this line of inquiry in Georgia, saying that indeed, there appears to be a hidden hand guiding things from behind the scenes. Here's what she said in an interview, quote, I think that Secretary Raffensperger is right when he says there is a secret hand that has its reach in all these processes. Now, there's one other thing that is worth mentioning for a bit of context here, which is that for one, this Georgia voter fraud investigation has been delayed for several months now, while there has been a change of personnel at the state's election board. And secondly, the ramp up in this investigation came just as Brad Raffensperger, who is, of course, the Secretary of State, is currently locked up in a fairly tight primary election against Jody Heiss, who is the Trump-endorsed challenger for the seat of Secretary of State. Now, whether this timing has anything to do with this investigation suddenly making such big strides, well, you can make that determination for yourself. Regardless, though, now that the investigation is making some headway, I will continue to report to you any details as they come about. And if you'd like to read either the letter from True the Vote, which includes the, the testimony from John Doe, the whistleblower, or if you would like to read the subpoena for yourself from the state of Georgia, well, I'll throw all that down into the description box below this video for you to check out. And all I ask in return is that you take a super quick moment to smash, smash, smash that like button for the YouTube algorithm. And now let's... So, uh, pretty good, huh? He talks really quick of the Epoch Times. Uh, this man's been around before me. I say that only because uh, Sean Joe is like, y'all have very similar uh, styles. <laughs> I was like, well, Roman has been around a lot longer than I have, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but there you go. That was a really, I chose him for a reason. Uh, he was able to give you the rundown on everything that was happening with True the Vote and 2000 Meals and Georgia and the subpoenas and uh, the investigation in half no time, ladies and gentlemen. That was Mr. Roman for you there. But... As we approach the conclusion of tonight's report, uh, let it be known, ladies and gentlemen, let it be known, something is afoot in Georgia. Again, we had Brian Kemp, who managed to capture about 70% of the total vote at the conclusion of his contest. All right. Uh, a man who is not liked, who is not approved of, who is almost despised by most of his base, who has been at odds with President Trump since November 3, 2020, right? 
and then of course Brad Raffensperger as well. But one has to wonder exactly what is going on uh, because we we get the sense of it, right? Our gut tingles, you know, our gut feeling starts to approach, our sea sense starts to go off. But we don't really know what strings these guys are pulling because Brad Raffensperger and Brian Kemp seem to have refined the deceptive and cunningness of their rhinohood far better than any other we have seen to date. And don't forget, guys, I have oft said that the rhino is the most dangerous entity on the political landscape because they have lied and deceived their people and their constituents, and yet they still manage to muster through the game. Okay, so um, what we're going to do now as we come to the conclusion of tonight's report is we're going to review a timeline of how Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Bradford Raffensperger and also the Georgia Bureau of Investigations may have managed to quash the first RICO ballot case in Georgia as presented with to them by True the Vote. Now, don't forget, True the Vote actually went to Georgia and delivered to Kemp their investigative information back in, I believe, December of 2020 or 2021. What happened after that, ladies and gentlemen, was all of the information ended up getting leaked to the public and the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigations ended up just screwing up everything. But for a better picture of how that story goes, let's take a look at this article. Uh, this article comes from under oh wait, Uncover DC. As I've mentioned before, um, Uncover DC does do good work. Um, and uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, but it says, uh, True the Vote has RICO ballot trafficking evidence and Americans should care. Okay. So we'll uh, pop down to this article right over here. There's Greg Phillips. Okay. So we're going to look at the timeline of investigation. Let's start right here. It says, uh, examination of the subpoena may help contextualize the history of this investigation. Now, the subpoena they are referring to is the subpoena that Secretary of Snakes Brad Raffensperger offered to True the Vote where True the Vote has already turned in their um, their investigation data, but Brad Raffensperger's office wants the names, the numbers, the addresses, the relatives' names of the whistleblower of alleged um, of alleged uh, mules. Okay, uh, one would have to wonder why, when they don't necessarily need that information, in order to conduct an investigation at least to start. Okay, so. With that said, um, the uh, paragraph continues. However, True the Vote's partner, Greg Phillips, and his team at OPSEC have already delivered comprehensive data using geofencing technology and cell phone app data to potentially call this a multi-state RICO ballot trafficking operation. One that should almost certainly satisfy a serious state investigation without having to burn sources. Here's the timeline of investigations. Engelbrecht filled in the timeline of events for Uncovered DC on November 3, Election Day 2020. That occurred. At the end of November and in early December, 
Questions about the election arise and a tip from individuals leads True the Vote and OPSEC to ballot trafficker slash whistleblower. At the end of November and early December 2020, OPSEC meets with whistleblower at the Bluff in Atlanta, a crime-ridden, drug-infested neighborhood, confesses to True the Vote and OPSEC team he has been paid $10 per ballot to traffic ballots and is working for an NGO. True the Vote and OPSEC eventually corroborate the story with other data. He ends up being one of the more prolific mules. December 2020 through April 2021, True the Vote and OPSEC begin to piece together the evidence using cell phone data and geofencing technology. They do everything they can to minimize bias, including setting specific parameters, filtering for outliers, and looking for behavior patterns. The data is anonymous but accurate. On January 18th, 2021, the process began in Fulton County to secure runoff video footage from Dropboxes, months of delay in obtaining copies of video surveillance. In February 2021, requests for Cobb County surveillance footage only took a few weeks to receive. March 2021, requests went out for Gwinnett surveillance video. There was a month's delay. March 25th, 2021, the FBI is given geofencing cell phone data. Late April to May of 2021, True the Vote and OPSEC team meets with uh, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. Kemp backs out of the meeting at the last minute. However, Kemp is made aware of the evidence. At that time, the team hands over the geofencing, cell phone data, and documentation. No video surveillance copies are presented yet because of delays from public record centers. On May 25th, 2021, Purdue asks Kemp to pursue the investigation. Kemp does nothing. The meeting was originally requested in April, but was rescheduled for May. In June of 2021, uh, requests for copies of general election video surveillance, surveillance goes out. The first copies are delivered in October of 2021. True the Vote was told that surveillance video was missing prior to October 30th, 2020. Steve Rosenberg, Open Records custodian, says they do not exist. And that was in a written response on July 6, 2021. June 2021, TTV, or True the Vote, files to introduce data on behalf of Georgia. The law firm was stopped by RNC and the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Did you catch that? The law firm was stopped by the RNC, Rhinos, and the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Are we taking notes, ladies and gentlemen, of the actions of the uniparty Rhinos? Kemp knows, but does nothing. On September 25th, 2021, Trump mentions the investigation at his rally in Perry, Georgia. Kemp knows, and yet he still does something. September 30th, 2021, GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, leaks its letter dismissing the evidence to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Days later, according to Engelbrecht, Kemp's chief of staff began to tell contractors they will never get contracts with the state again if they continue to cooperate with True the Vote. 
Senator Albers disparages True the Vote's investigation. In October 22, 2021, attorneys for True the Vote respond to rebuts that Georgia Bureau of Investigation's omissions. Georgia GOP Chairman David Schaefer corroborates with his own letter to the GBI. November 30th, 2021. Two complaint letters were sent from True the Vote to Secretary of State Raffensperger. One letter, an in-depth accounting of important details from the investigation and details from the whistleblower interview. January 5th, 2022. Raffensperger says there is credible evidence and opens an investigation. April 21st, 2022. Georgia State Board of Elections issues four subpoenas. Now, we'll talk about the obstruction by Brian Kemp and the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. It says the evidence found in the True the Vote OPSEC investigation has been met with obstruction and sometimes active resistance. True the Vote and OPSEC have already sent all of the evidence to key officials in Georgia, allegedly plenty of evidence to warrant a serious look at the alleged RICO ballot trafficking crimes. The information was given to both the FBI and the GBI. Incidentally, the two bureaus co-locate and often share information. According to Engelbrecht, in the spring of 2021, her team traveled to Georgia uh, to meet with GBI and governor's office to present the information. Kemp was supposed to be there, but he ghosted the meeting. The first official response from the Georgia Bureau of Investigations was a letter to True the Vote on September 30th, which was leaked to the press. The letter coincidentally came just after former President Trump, their words not mine, his mention of the investigation at a September 25th rally. The GBI's letter dismissed the breadth and the depth of the evidence provided, stating that the data does not rise to the level of probable cause that a crime has been committed. The same letter also noted that the GBI was not provided with any kind of evidence that ties cell phones to ballot harvesting. False. Per uh, True the Vote's attorneys, and then confirmed by a letter to Director Reynolds of the Georgia Bureau of Investigations from the Georgia GOP Chairman David Schaefer, the GBI managed to omit from its response corroborating information that may have that may prove ballot trafficking occurred. Also notable is the linked November 17th letter found on VoterGA.org from Kemp to the State Election Board members. The letter essentially states he had only received one referral and provided all the requests information uh, indicating issues in the 2020 election. And not only had True the Vote and OPSEC met with his office and in the spring to deliver their data, but Kemp could also have easily engaged the GBI or requested video surveillance from any number of drop boxes located um, where they were uh, points of interest in the state uh, during the 2020 election. Uh, so this looks like that Brian Kemp letter. It says, uh, to date, the complaint outlined below is only is the only instance where a complaint has uh, referred an issue to my office and provided all requested information for me and my staff to fully evaluate its veracity. Interesting. So we have a November 30th complaint, it looks like, why identity should not matter. 
Uh, it says the business of interviewing whistleblowers in cases involving crimes like these cannot be can be a dangerous business. Whistleblowers can be used as political cudgels to discredit investigations. Whistleblowers often take significant risks, including threats of violence and or death due to their testimony. Moreover, one or two whistleblowers uh, do not make an investigation. Uh, serious criminal investigations gather abundant data and corroborating evidence from sources and document trails, among other points of data. Notably, the according to the Engel, according to Engelbrecht, none of the details have uh, none of the details about John Doe have been made public yet. The state elections board took in upon themselves to publish sensitive information in the subpoena in opposition to requests from True the Vote and OPSEC. Engelbrecht remarked during our discussion, why would the Secretary of State take a clearly sensitive situation and publicize it in this way? After True the Vote and OPSEC, have clearly maintained, um, have clearly stated they would not betray the confidence of any informant. This is a game to them. The Georgia SOS is endangering people's lives by putting out the subpoenas like they did. The uh, True the Vote and OPSEC investigation is a rigorous ongoing two-year investigation involving pinpoint cell phone geolocation, data showing trackable, provable data trails. This data shows incontrovertible evidence of a repeated abuse of uh, process that diminish the sanctity of all votes, said Engelbrecht during testimony on March 24th in front of the Wisconsin state legislature. She and Phillips were also there to help lawmakers craft laws that would protect elections and voters. Now, the complaint letter sent on November 30th to the Secretary of State Raffensperger provides a fulsome inter summary of the whistleblower's accounting of his experience as a paid ballot trafficker slash mule. The letter also describes many OPSEC's findings. The letter states TTV, or True the Votes, initial review of the available 3 million minutes of surveillance video. They found compelling evidence to support the reports of absentee ballot trafficking conducted during the November 3rd election in 2020 and the January 5th, 2021 runoff election period. True the Vote also found purchased, uh, True the Vote also purchased commercially available anonymized geospatial mobile device information. This cell phone data establishes what device were at a particular location and a particular time, but does not disclose any private information about a person's identity. During the runoff election period in six counties in and around Atlanta, 552,987 cell phones became, uh, came within a narrowly defined distance of arrow of ballot drop boxes during our study period. However, 242 unique devices made repeat trips to drop boxes, averaging 23 trips each. These, these, uh, these same 242 devices also went, um, also went repeatedly, averaging eight trips to specific NGOs. These 242 individuals' devices went to drop boxes a total of 5,668 times with approximately 40% of the visit occurring between 
the unusual hours of 12 a.m. and 5 a.m. Individuals made repeated visits to drop boxes. Cars were observed without state out-of-state license plates, including rental vehicles. This in itself is not necessarily problematic. However, it is notable because these out-of-state and rental cars were driven by individuals who were also in our targeted study group of 242 devices. Consistent with John Doe's report regarding the proof necessary to receive payment, individuals were observed taking cell phone photos, not of themselves, but of their ballot deposit or the Dropbox after the ballots had been deposited. A change in behavior seemed to occur on the... um, a change of uh, behavior seemed to occur on or around December 23rd, 2020, the day after Arizona authorities announced that fingerprints on absentee ballot envelopes helped uncover an individual illegal ballot harvesting scheme in the state. After the announcement, individuals depositing ballots um, into drop boxes in Georgia are seen wearing blue surgical gloves. They often put them on just before picking up their stack of ballots and remove them as they exit the drop box area. Pretty insane there, guys. Some of the findings that we have here. We have a few more things, guys. But uh, boy, oh boy, 242 mobile devices, NGOs included. Approximately 40% of them were all out in the middle of the night. How do you figure that, right? Makes no sense. It makes no sense at all unless you're out there doing something you shouldn't be doing. In the dark of night, and you know, as they say, things uh, planted in the dark often shine in the light as it comes down upon them and unmasks them and prepares them for their divine retribution. But yes, so we have this information here. Again, this is from Uncover DC and their timeline, okay? Uh, Very thorough, very direct, very full of information. I think you guys get the idea. Uh, Basically, what we have here is what seems to be a rogue governor's office and a rogue um, bureau of investigations just doing what they want, ignoring what they want, asking questions of whom they wish, and uh, kind of persecuting some of these people at the same time, right? At the same time. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is the result of True the Vote's efforts. In Georgia. Now, as I've said before, we have to watch, or I will watch at least, what is going on with this because it is the first actual investigation into ballot trafficking. If um, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation or Bill Barr or Raffensperger or Kemp have their way, uh, the, the GBI will uncover nothing, right? No criminal referrals will be made. They'll be as worthless and useless as Attorney General uh, Brnovich in Arizona, right? If not worse, but uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe so, maybe no. Um, But anyhow, guys, so Bradford Raffensperger, again, like I said at the onset of this article, requested in a subpoena, or I should say subpoenaed the information of the whistleblower. Uh, Greg Phillips has taken a staunch um, point of view that he will not, under any circumstances, reveal the identity of any whistleblowers 
that come forward. And I believe I saw it on uh, Project Veritas that uh, they have word that not only are mules coming forward in Arizona, politicians are coming forward in Arizona, uh, police and law enforcement is coming forward in Arizona, volunteers are coming forward in Arizona. Apparently, because of the hearing of True the Vote and the Arizona Committee, that encouraged them to come forward. Whistleblowers, come forward now. We will protect you. We will make sure that you receive immunity. And they didn't use that phrase specifically, but I'm willing to bet if any of these mules had some type of a conscience or some type of moral fortitude, they heard immunity when they heard come forward and we will protect you. Okay. And that's also a very important statement considering that the cartel in Yuma County literally, literally, physically harms um, ballot trafficking mules in that county. So uh, protection might actually have meant more than immunity to them. It might have meant that they can get out of from underneath the boot and the fist of their captors who are forcing them to cheat when they vote in their county, which is a very, very sad situation, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, everyone else is getting paid to do it. And in Yuma County, they're getting beaten to do it. Um, let's wrap up this article with the Raffensperger Greenlight investigation and uh, what's to come. It says here, uh, finally, on January 5th, 2022, um, Secretary of Snakes Raffensperger agreed to investigate through the vote's evidence. Time will reveal how committed law enforcement and the state are to taking the evidence seriously. These crimes were allegedly committed in the five states investigated. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts, and every bit helps. Show your support for The Sea Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. And thanks, y'all. By True the Vote and OPSEC team, and the evidence provided could help ensure tracking opera trafficking operations do not continue. The uh, True the Vote investigation suggests that 7% of the mail-in ballots were trafficked in 2020's election. Now, the focus of this column, uh, and again, this is from Uncover DC, has been the trafficking of ballots in Georgia. However, as previously mentioned, the, the True the Vote OPSEC ballot trafficking investigation was not limited to Georgia. Multiple investigations were conducted using cell phone data paired with geofencing technology in five states. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, Michigan, and Georgia, and multiple jurisdictions within each state. The evidence collected is not only stunning, 
but it is also about as close to incontrovertible proof of election fraud as one can collect. Dinesh D'Souza's movie 2000 Mules, telling the story of this investigation, will be released. So as you can see, this is a retroactive article. Now, if you guys want to jump back into that ripcord, okay, because people have been working on this, again, these are wonderful stories of courage, integrity, of the American spirit, of the American people who will fight for their country, for their rights, for their family, and for their beliefs, ladies and gentlemen. As this grand experiment that is these United States of America and uh, the, um, uh, the, uh, the, the story of a self-governed and self-determined man and woman, um, that's what this was about, guys, to bring you guys some encouraging stories, some good news, some strong spirits to boost you all along and to uh, wish President Trump a happy birthday. Okay, I got one more, one more guys about the ripcord. And this one, I think, will not disappoint by any means. Now, this is Captain Seth Keschel. He needs no introduction. Really, he doesn't. Now, Cap Captain Seth Keschel, another purveyor of election integrity, um, and a, a mastermind of logistics and, uh, and number crunching, um, has, he has gone ahead and thrown his hat into the ring in regards to the uh, data and information that has been made available by True the Vote in their Project Operation Ripcord. The findings, at least preliminarily speaking, by Captain Seth Keschel are enough, or should be enough, to either make you fall out of your seat or to jump up and down for joy. Happy birthday, President Trump. This report is for you. Captain Seth Keschel has identified 74, count them, 74 ballot trafficking and mule ring operations in this country. Ladies and gentlemen, well... I can't wait to find out all about it. Let's see what this article has to say. This is from, uh, this is from Seth Keschel's um, Substack. And uh, let's just rip right into it, guys, because we're right here at the end of this. And uh, we just got a few more words of encouragement before we go. And we'll be calling it a night, guys. Thank you for hanging out with us on President Trump's uh, birthday edition. Happy birthday edition here at the Sea Report. Now, uh, article reads, 74 harvesting and mule rings where they were, how they did it, and the impact. Our work is now corroborated. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a stunning piece of information. Now it says, the best way to understand the dysfunctional 2020 election is to see that California's election process. Uh, shortcuts, tricks, tactics, techniques, and procedures were exported to the entire nation against the laws of most states. One of the major election tricks championed by California's renegade gov government is the practice of ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting is the collection and return of ballots by someone other than the voter and can be innocently applied to one spouse dropping off a ballot for another. 
Ballot harvesting is abused when it is used to seek out illegally mailed ballots in places such as nursing homes, apartments, and dormitories. 2,000 mules documented the trafficking of mail ballots to drop boxes, typically in the dark of night, by those commissioned to deliver hundreds, if not thousands, of ballots each over weeks of the period allotted for returning mail ballots. The system was sophisticated and clearly engineered to overcome what was expected to be a monstrous turnout for Donald Trump. Every trend indicator, bellwether, and predictor, some valid for more than a century, showed a Trump victory was inevitable. Ballots were picked up at pre-designated headquarters and sent by mules throughout surrounding counties. If we are to view the mule operation as we would a military operation, each major ring had an assigned area for dropping off ballots, often crossing state lines, and designed for the purpose of either tipping a state for Biden or giving the illusion of Democrat control of counties destined to flip to Trump. The use of drop boxes across the nation is pre prevalent, though the magnitude to which they were used is up for debate. The map below shows that the major contested states, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia, all used ballot drop boxes and many others may have had limitations on them by statute, but used emergency declarations, uh, declarations related to the pandemic to turn a blind eye to their use. Other states that may have had fewer drop boxes still experienced substantial harvesting of mail-in ballots as is made clear by simple statistical analysis. I have identified 74 major mule or harvesting rings from the 2020 election. I am defining major as a ring that generally impacts one major county, such as Maricopa County, Arizona, or bleeds over into surrounding counties or states and appears to contribute at least 20,000 excess Biden ballots over what standard registration trends, population change, and voter behavior would allow for. Therefore, standalone red counties on my 2020 county map, red donating high statistical evidence of election fraud, may indeed have trafficking rings operating within them, but fall into a category of minor mule rings. I will now list the 74 mule or harvesting rings and denote their geography and severity, severity will be rated as follows. A class A means over 60,000 excess Biden votes were contributed. A class B equals 50 to 60,000 excess Biden ballots. We'll use the word ballots because they're not votes. Contributed. Class C would be 40 to 50,000 excess Biden ballots contributed, and Class D would be 20 to 40 excess Biden ballots contributed. Now, he does go on to list, indeed, all 74 of these rings. For the uh, sake of time and everyone's sanity, we are not going to read all 74 of these rings, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but we'll, we'll uh, just go through a couple of examples. So starting in the West and moving East, here are the rings. They have one called, he has one called the Mariner Ring. The likely headquarters of this ring would be Seattle, Washington, and the assigned area would be Northwestern Washington. The severity of this ring is a class A. So looking on the map right up here, 
That's why it is in red. Over 60,000 excess Biden votes or ballots were contributed. Insane, isn't it, guys? That's pretty crazy. Uh, let's, look at, let's look for the Class A's. The Columbia Ring, likely headquartered in Portland, Oregon, and assigned to Northwestern Oregon, has a severity of a Class A. Another Class A right there. I'm going to pull up the Class A's. The Arnold Ring, likely headquartered in Sacramento, California. Gee, I wonder why they call it the Arnold Ring, right? Assigned area North Central California east to the Nevada border with the severity of a Class A ring. The Silicon Ring, likely headquartered in San Francisco, California. Assigned area San Francisco Bay Area and surrounding counties. Severity Class A. The Valley Ring, likely headquartered in Fresno, California. Assigned area Central California. Severity Class A. The Angel Ring likely headquartered in Los Angeles, California, assigned area, Los Angeles metro area, severity, class A. The Empire Ring, likely headquartered in Riverside, California, assigned area, California of Southern, east of Los Angeles to the Arizona border, severity, class A. Well, I think you guys get the idea, don't you? About what Seth Keschel has done with all of this data, right? He's a madman, I tell you. He's a madman, but a genius of a madman, ladies and gentlemen, a genius of a madman. Um, if anyone wants this uh, this uh, link to this article, well, you know, it's Seth Keschel Substack. So just search Seth Keschel Substack. This article was actually produced a month ago. Can you believe that? Um, and, and, you know, I, I believe that... Uh, I know I didn't hear about it until now, but, uh, you know, that's that's taken care of now. We're sharing this now. Again, it just goes to the importance of sharing the information, you know, kind of like how I just discovered that, uh, you know, pill.net is coupling with the um, uh, precinct project, right? I didn't know because no one shared that information with me. And I had someone come into the uh, chat room and say, oh, this must be a rerun because everyone knows about this. It's old news. And I was like, you know what? You never come into my chat room anyways. And you drop in just to say that you are such a graceful creature. Anyways, so uh, sharing the information is important. And I would hope that my audience shares with me any election integrity information that they might happen to come across, particularly if I haven't um, spoken about it. But but that all of that aside, the importance here is that this is really intense information, guys. So we have to see where it's going to go from there, guys. We really do. And um, uh, with the exposure of all this data going to several different hands where they can suss through it and they can analyze it and they can, um, you know, uh, kind of explain it or uh, put it down on paper, what they're discovering is only going to be uh, more helpful in aiding, assisting uh, the the, um, finality of the theft that has been occurring in our country for God knows how long, okay? God knows how long. Real quick, Sean Joe, thank you for the cookie. Much appreciated. And also, uh, Daily Insanity, thank you so much. You're nailing it, Mr. C. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And thank you as well for the cookie, uh, Daily Insanity. Welcome to the Mr. C chat room and uh, the C report on this special happy birthday, President Trump edition of the report. And that brings us, ladies and gentlemen, to our conclusion for tonight. Um, Speaking of really good stories where patriots, awake Americans, those who are concerned about the future of this country 
are moving forward. They're not relenting. They're not stopping. They're not giving up. They're pushing on. Okay. They're moving ahead strong, resolute in their um, direction and where they're headed. I absolutely have to recognize Catherine Engelbrecht as one of those individuals who, beyond strength of will, has managed to bring to the table something that nobody saw coming, something that even the bad guys didn't see coming, that has provided for us yet another path to election integrity, to securing our vote, to securing our elections, but most importantly, to securing that which our vote represents. And that is our liberty, our freedom, and our right to pursuit a self-governed, self-determined, and happy life, should we choose such a life, right? Uh, she's really stood up as a hero, ladies and gentlemen. She is one of my personal heroes now and has been since I found out about her investigation. Um, but it needs to be said, she needs to be recognized. She needs to be lauded. She needs to be, uh, she needs to receive the accolades, ladies and gentlemen, that she deserves. Okay. That she deserves, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so we'll close tonight's, um, report, uh, with, uh, a few words, between uh, two firebrands in the America First movement, in the securing of our nation and the restoration of our republic, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, most definitely they are trailblazing. And um, I just think it is, a, uh, it is an encouraging way to end tonight's show. So uh, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you might recognize some of these words from before, but I think they should be repeated because uh, the individual who speaks them needs to be held accountable. So don't forget it because uh, at least if uh, Steve Bannon has his way, he will be held accountable. Here we go, guys. The second term. And then he gave me a copy of the report. And as he talked more and more about it, uh, I sat there flipping through the report and looking through it. And um, to be frank, it looked very amateurish to me. Didn't have the credentials of the people involved, but I didn't see any real qualifications. And the statements were made very uh, uh, conclusory, like, you know, this, these machines were designed to, you know, engage in fraud or something to that effect, but I didn't see any supporting information for it. And I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with uh, he, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would, you know, tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. My opinion then and my opinion now is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs> well, maybe you can uh, assess that 2000 Mules and people are talking about that. 
Well, I mean, just in a nutshell, you know, I just think the GBI was unimpressed with it. And I was similarly unimpressed with it because I think if you, because uh, I was holding my fire on that to see what the photographic evidence was. Because I thought, well, hell, if they have a lot of photographs of the same person dumping a lot of ballots in different boxes, you know, that's hard to explain. Um, so I wanted to see what the photographic evidence was. But the uh, cell phone data is, is singularly unimpressive. I mean, it basically, if you take two million uh, cell phones and and figure out where they are physically in a big city like Atlanta or wherever, just by definition, you're going to find many hundreds of them have passed by and spent time in the vicinity of these boxes. And the premise that, if, you know, if you go by a box, you know, five boxes or whatever it was, you know, that that's a mule is just indefensible. It, 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 by definition, you're going to have a lot of hundreds of this. I mean, one, I saw one contractor said, we figured out that our truck alone would account for six cell phone signals. Uh, this was a, you know, a, a, some kind of contractor. And, you know, our route would take us by these things on a regular basis. So I, I but then, you no, know, when the movie came out, uh, you know, I think the photographic evidence in it was completely lack. I mean, it was, there was a little bit of it, but it was lacking. You know, it didn't, it didn't establish widespread uh, illegal um, harvesting. Okay, welcome. Uh, it's the War Room Monday, 13 June, Year of Allure 2022. That's Bill Barr. We still haven't gotten, and they still haven't really asked. Bill Barr told the president and it was that he did a report. He had a report that the Justice Department did a report, did a study, and uh, and he conclusively determined that there was no voter fraud. We're still waiting for that report. Bill Barr is a liar, perjured himself, and that will all be dealt with going forward. He's a total and complete establishment scumbag. I said at the time that he was appointed, that it was a disaster. I thought he did de minimis on the impeachment, although he tried to take all the credit uh, from the real people that did the heavy lifting on the impeachment, like Rudy Giuliani and others. Um, but I, I asked Catherine Engelbrecht, uh, the, uh, really the brains and back of this incredible movie, 2000 Mules, and not just the movie, but actually to kind of think through exactly how you could go catch these guys in the voter fraud, which is obvious and evident evidence. And Bill Barr throws out every – he spins every kind of uh, little argument that has truthiness in it, what John Suri's called truthiness, but it's not the truth. Catherine Engelbrecht, Bill Barr challenged you today, not just the movie, but let's leave the movie aside. He really challenged you and True the Vote, uh, and I think what Greg and the other professionals have been on top of this, both your data, the photography, but really the whole construct of it, that this was silly – and uh, couldn't be used in kind of a non-event. Catherine Engelbrecht, ma'am, what say you? I, you know, you you use the term spin. I mean, it's a it's the spinning of a coward, and and I wish that that weren't the case. But uh, for him to start out his comments by saying that he was basing it largely on what he saw from the GBI, uh, the GBI was uh, first in line uh, in the you know coward department not willing to take a look, not willing to even acknowledge uh, that they had jurisdiction, uh, much less looking at it until it became politically uh, useful for them to, uh, to try to throw us under the bus. Uh, it's, I, I think 
what we are seeing from from Bill Barr and certainly others along the J6, uh, you know, lineup there, um, they and you've said it already. They, they can't handle the truth. Our process is broken. Federal government and the state political apparatchiks don't want anything to do with this because it's it's a it's a nice layer of insulation between them and the American people. Meanwhile. 80-some percent now, I think, of Americans are saying something is wrong with our elections. And, you know, beware, beware the fury of a risen people. This is not going to go well if they continue to push this aside. Our process is broken and Americans are demanding answers. And if the best they can do is point out that there wasn't sufficient video to in Bill Barr, then let's sit down and talk about it. Rather than take cheap shots, let's sit down and talk about it. Glad to do it. Anytime. Name the place. Has Bill Barr ever reached out to you about the film no. that's been out, what now, six weeks? Has Bill Barr ever reached out to you? Yes or no? No, no. Has Has Bill Barr, any people associated with Bill Barr ever asked to see, sit down and, and interview you and Greg and getting back and go through the details of your digital information and your footage, ma'am? No. Has the committee reached out to you to have you, Greg, and Dinesh address the committee or talk to the staff of the committee, show the material have in the material that didn't make the film to go through it systematically as the committee reached out to you? No. So the committee uh, is basing all this. They're laughing and they're basing all this uh, off of Bill Barr, a, a cheap shot, cheap spin shot, which the GBI is obviously a spin. They're, they're very nervous there. So the committee has never done this. Is the first time that you've heard any interest of the committee Obviously, they have an interest because he said everybody. She said everybody's talking about. It. Everybody is everybody's talking, talking about, about it. it. That's, that's coming right. from the. That's one of the left wing. It's one of the left wing hacks in the J six. Would you be prepared, ma'am? You and Greg and Dinesh. Would you three be prepared to go to the committee staff and to sit with the committee in in uh, on national television and walk through your facts, ma'am? Absolutely, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, okay, fine. I think it's very interesting that they responded. I want to go back to Bill Barr first, GBI. This is Bill. This is Bill Barr. This is what Bill Barr calls an investigation. He picks up the phone and calls another crony. The hacks at the FBI, the hacks at these local places are all they are is hacks. They're lifers. Okay, lifers always trying to cover their ass. That's what they're in the business in. Uh, tell me about GBI and your and the the relationship with GBI when they understood exactly what you were doing and what you had thought through that they had not, ma'am. Well, we, we presented our information to the GBI in the uh, first part of May of 2021, and it was still early in our investigation. And so we presented it uh, by way of, of, of showing what we consider to be a predicate for an investigation. Look at where we're headed. We think that this is something you should look at. And we went into that environment really believing that they too would want to understand uh, what the data was showing and and to be a part of an investigation or to lead dare i say in an investigation that meeting then was followed by i think seven months of their bobbing and weaving and not being willing to meet with us again and vic reynolds the head of the gbi giving every excuse but but chiefly among them that he didn't have the jurisdiction it was never about the fact that our data was bad or that he had questions he just went radio silent until President Trump began to name check us at rallies. When that occurred, 
in fact, the, the first time it occurred in Georgia, it fought, was followed by uh, a letter from Vic Reynolds appearing in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution slamming us. And then that has been for, for the GBI, uh, uh, you know, a, a touch point that the GBI and the rest of the leftists continue to come back to and point out. So it's, there's, there's, there's no explanation than that they've tried to cover uh, continue to try to cover it up. Catherine, we're going to have Darren Beatty on here in the next, in the bottom of the hour after uh, after uh, Katie Arrington and uh, Jim Marchant. Uh, but Darren Beatty makes the point that Bill Barr's sitting there belly laughing, belly laughing off of the data itself. Correct me if I'm wrong, Catherine Engelbrecht, is, not that, is that not the same exact construct and types of data that they've gotten to accuse uh, these individuals uh, on the 6th of January and have many of them in jail, ma'am? A hundred percent. So if, if the data is not good, then, you know, some, some jail cells ought to be open by sundown. They started, if I understand their process correctly, they started looking at a thousand feet out and then culling in. We started at a hundred feet and began to, to narrow the funnel. There's processes that are followed in the, in the course of an investigation. For them to say that what we have done is, uh, whatever the term was he used, laughable, uh, lightweight, whatever it was, is outrageous. And, and anybody that's, that's honestly looking at what this is, it's, uh, it's just political theater, and they're hoping that America will forget, and I pray that they won't. Bill Barr has to understand something. We're never going to forget, and we're going to control things starting in January, and we're coming after Bill Barr. Okay, Bill Barr is a liar. Bill Barr perjured himself, and he's trying to directly destroy the Trump movement and President Trump. He may think it's a laughing matter. He may think it's a laughing matter. Hey, we don't. We don't. No, we uh, don't. One last thing. He, the last thing he's the last thing he said. The spin there about he's talked to some executives and big trucking companies, and that is complete and total nonsense. Is it not, ma'am? It's it's yeah, absolutely. One of the things you know. The movie she had us on screen, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes maybe, but, but that was the result of eight or nine hours worth of an interview. That was the result of 18 months worth of an investigation, an investigation that continues to this very moment. That said, there's a lot of stuff that didn't get included. One of those things, and we're trying to figure out how to kind of pick up some of the edits and put them together so that people can, can see them. One of the things that we talked about was our quality control that went into it. We looked at the data the week before, it varied a little bit jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but on balance, it was the week before the early election period started, and then the week after, to make sure that what we were what we were seeing were, were patterns that were distinct during early election and weren't just typical routes for a contractor or whatnot. That's just one of the many, many scrubs that we put our data through to make sure that those kinds of examples of a truck driving by and if that truck also drove by 10 drop boxes, they would also have to go through nonprofit organizations. And there were so many thresholds that we put in place. Glad to talk to anybody about it. Our elections are under Here's speech. my point. Here's my point. <laughs> Catherine Engelbrecht's been doing this for a living for a while. She's a very serious person. You don't see her run around half-cocked and half-baked. If Bill Barr had any interest, as he's supposed to be attorney general and Mr. Investigation is so serious and, they, and they're taking his word for it, he would have picked the phone up and said, let me uh, let me have a briefing on your 18 month investigation. Let me have the eight out. Let's go eight hours. And let me go through it line by line. Let me 
this here's the point. We take this very seriously because 13 or 14 generations of this country have sacrificed to hand us the republic we have. And we're not going to be blown off by somebody like Bill Barr. Bill Barr, we're coming for you, bro. You're sitting there lying about this. If you had any decency whatsoever, you'd have reached out to Catherine Ehrenberg before you smeared her. You'd have reached out to Dinesh D'Souza before you smeared him. You'd have reached out to Greg Phillips where you smeared them and the entire team of an 18-month investigation is still going on of eight or 10 hours of interviews that you could do and sit there and find out the details in the second and third order magnitude of what they've already thought through before sitting there. And so this is the type of crap that we're stopping. You're just not going to sit there and phone this in and throw it a couple of lines. We're going to deconstruct this and we're going to rub your nose in it. And then we're going to come after you legally. We're not just going to sit here anymore. The days of the deplorables and the days of MAGA just sitting there and our betters telling us what it is. Bar, I forgot more about this stuff than you know. And Catherine Engelbrecht has forgotten more about it than all of us will know. And that's why she's dedicated 18 months of her life. This is not about Donald J. Trump. This is about a republic. We're either going to play by a set of rules that people agree to and we play to them or we're not. And we're the rules players. But you're going to play to him too, buddy. You're just not going to come in here with your fat face and just kind of, you know, smirk up there. It's not going to work anymore. We're not going to tolerate it. We're no. not going to accept it. We're going to go back with facts. Catherine Engelbert. Yeah, I mean, the American people have, have had enough. Our elections are not meant to be perpetually broken, yet they are because it is politically useful. And America is waking up to this. We can do better. We are the laughingstock of other industrialized countries around the world who manage their elections with, with a process that balances security and transparency and convenience and all of, those, all of those efforts that are put into a serious process. Our process has become a sideshow and it, it can't continue on. We are perilously close to losing to, to losing that which binds us together, that free and fair vote. And, and, you know, I was disappointed to see Bill Barr do it, not surprised. It's, it's, been, it's been our experience with law enforcement to this point. And I'll tell you something that we're very excited about getting ready to announce. We are be, going to be working with sheriff's associations and law enforcement associations at the sheriff and local level across this country to help to preserve the the rule of law when it comes to elections. So we're looking forward to that. We're very hopeful that that will be a useful outlet because mercy knows state and federal have proven to be absent. Uh, You said laughing stock, Catherine. Let me tell you, people around the world, you don't think the hedge fund people, you don't think the guys in these other countries know this was stolen and that this is a laughing stock and Biden's a laughing stock. Look at the lack of respect they show him. From, from the Absolutely. mullahs in Iran to the Chinese Communist Party, one of the reasons they understand what we understand is illegitimate. And if the controlled opposition of the big law firms like Bill Barr, let me put all the big law firms on notice. We're not playing your game anymore. We're playing a new game. And you're going to have to abide by these new rules because we're coming in hot and we're going to use the rule of law to do it. You have perjured yourself. You've lied to people. You've cost this nation. Look at the economic destruction that's happened, and it's because of people like Bill Barr. Bill Barr, you'll get an infamy, and I'll go through your book because I have. We'll go through line by line of the lies and misrepresentations that you have in print, bro. So remember one day, you're under oath when you say this. You were under oath today when you said this. Catherine Engelbrick, any closing comments, observations? You're right. You're right. This game is far from over. 
and Americans just need to, to stay engaged and stay alert. The, 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 the establishment, the elites are, are counting on us to grow weary and to fall away. We cannot do it. And I am very pleased to tell you that based on what's coming into True the Vote, quite the opposite is happening. We're hearing from people on all sides of the aisle, people from all over the world who are saying, please stay the course. And that's exactly what we intend to do. We're glad to talk to Bill Barr, anybody on the J6 committee. Let's go. Our elections are too important to let it continue to, to be the, the joke that it's become. Catherine Engelbrecht is tough as boot leather and will never back down. Catherine Engelbrecht, how do people get to you on social media, how they get over to see this film and get access to True the Vote? Uh, you can check us out at truthevote.org. Uh, we're on Rumble. We're on Instagram. We're on uh, Truth Social at True the Vote. And you can check us out uh, at the movie at 2000mules.com. Lots more to come in the days ahead. We are just getting started. And America, let's just stick together. We, we, the, the wind is at our backs. There has been a momentum shift. We are winning. Keep moving forward. Victory begets victory. Catherine Engelwer, thank you so much for taking time away today. Come join us in the war and battle round. All right, guys. There you go. There you go. The wind is at our back. The shift has happened. Don't give up. Don't stop. Keep moving. Don't relent. We are right there, ladies and gentlemen, at a point we have not been at quite possibly ever in our nation's history. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up for tonight's C-Report. I'd like to thank you again for hanging out. We gave you guys an extra hour tonight since tonight is President Trump's birthday. And we are doing this extra special happy birthday President Trump presentation for you guys. And there's the man himself as we wave him off to another several revolutions around the sun. Many more birthdays to come. Probably the best president that any of us have known in our lifetime and uh, right up there with those founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, I got one more thing for you guys. One more thing for you. And uh, I actually will be bidding you guys adieu at this point. Um, join us uh, Join us next time on the C-Report. We'll see if I'll be on tomorrow yet or not. I will let you guys know or I won't. And uh, make sure you visit us at thecreport.com. Follow us over at MRCTV. That's Truth Social at MRCTV. And at Gab at MR underscore CTV. If you have a uh, Rumble account um, or if you have a uh, Pilled account or Foxhole account, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe. Please give us the thumbs up, ladies and gentlemen. Help this content get out there. We're all about America first, all about election integrity, all about getting as close to the truth as we possibly can. All right, guys, as you go out into that great gentle night, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We'll see you guys next time.
very, very nice. Please. You must like what I'm about to say. Thank you very much.